There was an idea. Dormammu, I come to bargain. Before we get started, does anyone want to get out? Bunch of jackasses standing in a circle. Baskin Robbins always finds out. I for the faster way. Are you Tony's stank? I am Iron Man. What's going on, everybody? Welcome back to a brand new episode of Assembly Required, an MCU retrospective. The show where we reassemble the MCU piece by piece, movie by movie, episode by episode. I am your host, Eduardo, and I have assembled the most fantastical force that you have ever realized. We've got Robbie, we've got Peaches, we've got Chris, I'm Eduardo, and we also have a new guest joining us this week for the first time. Arnaldo's here with us. And Arnaldo, there is a, there is a, there's a, a, a prerequisite before you are able to join onto the podcast. We need to hear your top five Marvel movies of all time. Oh, thank God. That's an easy one. I got nervous for a second. <laughs> uh, <laughs> I was like, I didn't study for this. Uh, I think that's an easy one. I think it's I think it's Endgame number one, and I I don't think it's because it's the best movie ever, but it's such a love letter to all of my favorite movies that I, I, it gets a pass. You know, it's the it's the most rewatchable one. I think um, I would go Civil War number two. I think a lo- I think that movie's kind of underrated, or maybe it's fairly rated. Whatever. Uh, I'd probably go Infinity War three. Let's say, oh, there's so many of them. I'm trying to remember. <laughs> Let's say Winter Soldier 4. And I think I'm getting too cap heavy. So go Iron Man 5. My favorite Iron Man, Iron Man 5. <laughs> yes. <laughs> Isn't that just Captain America Civil War again? I guess. You know, in, in some ways. Yes. <laughs> it gets complicated. Yeah. That's a solid list. I agree. Yeah. yeah. I like that list. Now, uh, Arnaldo, what have you thought about uh, WandaVision so far? And what are your, like, what are your qualifications for talking about the MCU? Oh, geez. Uh, <laughs> well, I'm probably a nobody. <laughs> uh, I, oh, good. I, you know, That's I, a qualification, just like the rest of us. <laughs> Yeah, but I, I mean, that's kind of the beauty of the MCU. I think that's what it's all about. It's for nobody's like, it's not, it's not, you know, 50 years of comic book lore that feels like such a kind of a requisite before you open up a new comic book that can be so intimidating. And I mean, we're kind of getting to that now, this deep into the MCU, but uh, I definitely tune into you guys. First of all, thanks for having me on, but I definitely tune into you guys to hear sound lord talk about the just stacks and stacks of comic book knowledge he's ready to spit out that i don't want to read so (laughs) but i i I really 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 love wandavision i think it's such a bold move uh it's not surprising at all that that marvel would do this but it's such a great entry point for the marvel studios proper tv shows because do you guys remember, like, back in 2015, the term superhero fatigue? Oh, yeah. God, it yes, was like, I hated it. It was mm-hmm. like the Y2K where everybody was freaking out about it, and then it, it never happened. Mm-hmm. Uh, 
And and I really think that boils down to Marvel just reinventing their own genre over and over and over again and just breaking the formulas that they they create, then they bend them, then they break them. You know what I'm saying? Right. It, it's so in line with what they did around phase two, phase three, where they said, you remember the superhero formula that we sort of did in phase one? That's gone. We're going to break it. We're going to break barriers. We're going to keep you so entertained. We're going to create movies that just like, create new consequences for the rest of the world it's never going to be the same and then come infinity where they're just like kill him kill him kill him she's gone and so i think it's it's such a smart move to take these characters that have such a great history in the comics that were originally introduced as just sideline characters that you i assumed we weren't really going to get a whole lot of back in avengers age of ultron uh and then you know they're one exploring them so thoroughly but two just creating a TV show that has literally never been done before uh, as a way to just say, we're going to keep on breaking barriers and, and, and keep you guessing. And I think my favorite thing about the show is the public response to it. When when they announced all of these shows all at once, I think everybody was least excited about this one. I, I mean, like general, not us, not nerds. Yeah, but, I was going to say, this is the one I think I, I was most excited for, but yeah, like we, said, I, nerd, we so. all circled this yeah. one. <laughs> But like the general kind of audiences, they were like, oh, oh that, that sounds weird. And I kind of want to see some punchy, explosion-y shooting lasers out of eyes. That's that's what I want to see. And then now I, everybody's talking about this show. People that I had no idea watch this kind of thing are just like, did you see WandaVision? Oh, my God, what's going to happen? Like the, the, the brothers here, like blah, blah, blah. And that makes me so, I don't know if proud is the right word, because like these aren't my shows, but it's like. You know, 10 years ago, you get made fun of in high school for this kind of thing. And now it's everywhere. It's ubiquitous. So that's where I stand with the show. I love it. I love what it's doing. I love that you brought up how difficult it is to start the comics because we literally have had this discussion recently. We've got a friend of the show, Patrick. He was asking us where to start if you wanted to like start reading the Marvel comics. And it is such a difficult question to answer because you almost have to just go, pick somewhere because there's no like good on ramp to get into the comics, which is uh, sometimes be kind of difficult, which I think attributes to why some people would call like comic book fandom kind of gatekeepy and and things like that uh, because it's sort of designed that way, right? It's designed to be proud of all the issues you've read and everything that you've kept up with. Um, And I hope that the MCU doesn't get like that. I I brought it up last week on the episode that um, I think, some of the references in WandaVision can sometimes, like, I wonder if people have any trouble keeping up with WandaVision if they haven't seen the rest of the MCU because there's a lot of backwards references in WandaVision. But then also, WandaVision seems like a show that is made for the people like us. Like, there are, there's going to be Falcon and the Winter Soldier, which I think will be more for like a general audience. That one seems much more like a, uh, much more like a, like a movie type experience. But this one seems like it is made for the people like us who are going to read way too much into things and over theorize and do all that kind of stuff. So it's, we don't do that. What are you talking about? (laughs) That's not us. Can't be me. That's not us. Also be prepared for a 45 minute discussion on the surveillance stork today. Hey, Hey, man. I've been meaning to ask you guys when it comes up, if you could re-elaborate on that, because I I, I skipped over that part. But I'm glad you said what you said about 
is like who is this show for really because when i heard you say it last week i was kind of screaming at my phone and then i realized you can't hear me Uh, (laughs) but i i like that this show and it reminds me a lot of mandalorian where it's a show for anybody and anybody can get some level of enjoyment out of it and i think that it that comes from very careful writing and and inner like inner dispersing certain bits for for the super nerds and but still making like a very uh relatable story that anybody could just sit down and watch and say oh yeah this guy's a gunslinger he's going into a bar this is a couple with superpowers and oh they have kids and they're trying to figure it out yeah um, i do not envy writers oh yeah <laughs> like let's just listen to you guys talk about this i don't envy trying to figure out that right. relationship of yep. how do I write something that super nerds can love and everyone else can love? And where's the line? And how do I like tote that line exactly the right way? I don't envy that. It's not a skill I will ever have. Thank people out there for having that skill. Right. And they, sure. seem to, they do a great job with this. And um, Eduardo, since you brought that back up, I wanted to, to bring up that one of our listeners actually messaged me about that conversation and pointed out that it's not it's not a bad question to ask but honestly this is on a streaming service you have to buy in to this and the mcu has huge reach and a whole lot of people probably the enough people on disney plus are MC, uh, close enough to being an mcu nerd that they know they can be fairly safe they are fairly safe with making it as granular as the show is uh, but that said i also last week i said i was pretty sure my parents were watching and had never seen any mcu uh, I have since confirmed my mother watches WandaVision, is enjoying it, has never seen an Avengers movie. That's so crazy. And I wonder, like, have you? did it's you incredible. like deeply question her about... And uh, I, I should preface, when I brought it up last week, it wasn't like a, a necessarily yeah, a negative yeah, thing. Understood, it's understood. just more of like, mm-hmm. I wonder what this is like for people who, when they see certain things, their right. mind doesn't immediately go, oh, it's this and this and right. this. So... I think one thing we've discussed on this show is that I don't necessarily care too much when I don't have answers. Like, I think we talked about that a lot in the first episode of this thing where, where you and, and I mentioned my wife is the same way, were very anxious about not having answers. And I genuinely don't care. Well, in that way, I am my mother's child. And she's, from talking to her, it's really the same way. If she doesn't know what's being referenced, she doesn't care. She just moves on with her life. Yeah, I can't live my life like that. <laughs> <laughs> I can't. I envy you because I can't. If I, I need to know. Okay. No. Right. I've uh, seen a lot of talk on Twitter of people saying that this is really their first time getting into the MCU, save for like a movie here or there. Um, and it seems to be working. It's uh, there's like an adage in comics that every issue is somebody's first issue. Mm-hmm. Sure. You know, because someone walks in, sees a cover, and says, "Oh, I'd like to read that," which is why you have so many comics, especially older ones where there will be all these boxes saying, see whatever issue 147 to understand what happened here. And they'll kind of point out when they're referencing something that happened. And they can't really do that in this show, except for in the previously ons, which I thought was interesting that this previously on actually had something from Age of Ultron in it. Mm -hmm. Because that's kind of explaining for people who haven't watched it, they get to see, oh, Pietro is dead. Pietro used to look different, right? Uh, so that kind of gets you up to speed on that. That was an accidental pun, yes. but uh, <laughs> the best kind. Uh, <laughs> quick, quick thinking there, buddy. Yeah, wicked thinking. Uh, I do have a silver tongue. Yeah, I think it's an interesting, and I think that's a good point. I think that's, I mean, and that's kind of how comic books are, right? Like you are meant to just pick up an issue and start reading, and if you want to know more, it's your 
it's part of the fun to do that research by reading more issues. Like that is that is the comic book fandom. So maybe these yeah. movies are trying to emulate that. That's a good point. And the writers, and it is it is a very tough balancing act, like to make these things pay off for the people who've been paying attention and following along closely for a long time to make the connections, but to also make it pay off for the people who haven't been. Now, if you've been watching, you understand. Excuse me that uh, that Monica has some kind of relationship with Captain Marvel. We don't necessarily know the full details of that relationship unless we have gone and seen Captain Marvel. And now people who are watching this who haven't have been like, oh, you know, I'll go check out Captain Marvel now. And they get that backstory. But you know enough to understand what it means to this particular story. That's the hard thing to do, but it is, but it can be done. And just enough recapping that hopefully doesn't sound too much like just expository dialogue sure. to, to get new people up uh understanding where where they should be but enough depth that the people who have been following along can just make those connections right away and enjoy the payoff it's like it's like peach's favorite moment from the show the uh jimmy woo magic trick that for those of us who saw ant-man and the wasp that was a great moment sure for people who haven't it's a nice character establishing moment you know they may not get the significance of he's been trying to learn that for five years but they get that he's an FBI agent who introduces himself by making his business card appear out of nowhere. And uh, I just want to chime in real quick and say that three weeks later, I still watched that little clip and get giddy about it. So <laughs> yeah, it worked. Yeah. It, it's fun. It's great. Yeah. I, uh, I don't mean to upset anyone when I say some of these things on the podcast. I hope the listeners know that, a that a good host's job is to drive discussion. And a lot of the times I'll say some things that I don't even believe. I just want to rile as many people up as possible. You really do I, that? I, I want to... You are good at What that. I meant by I'm screaming at the phone is because I want to discuss so badly. Right, like, yeah. I, right. I want to... You know what I mean? Like, my yeah, two yeah. cents just needs to be thrown in there. And sometimes yeah. when I listen to podcasts, I will pause the phone so I can just kind of like think it through and be like, well, if I was there, I would say this. And this is my two, my idea. Totally. I've, I've, I've definitely brought it, stuff up that you have said to me on this yeah, show before. And, and listen, uh, guys, if you make people do that, that's that's a sign of like you've got a good discussion going. That people want to go, well, wait a second. I That's a, an amazing idea. Or mm-hmm. these guys are dumb. I don't agree with that at all. <laughs> And back to the surveillance stork. I'll go hide in the corner now. <laughs> back to the surveillance stork. Uh, Listen, we've got three more episodes for surveillance stork to pay off. We don't know yet. That's yes, a good point. <laughs> and today the stork's going to be surveilling episode six, all new Halloween spooktacular, directed by Matt Shackman and written by Peter Cameron and Chuck Hayward. Segways like that are why you're the host. That was so smooth. I don't, I don't even know what to do with my hands anymore. That was Episode so 6 starts immediately with our sitcom intro, this time jumping to the 2000s with an alt-rock theme song and camcorder footage creating an intro extremely similar to Malcolm in the Middle. So I um, was the last one in our... We have a group chat with the, the four of us in there for podcast reasons, and I was the last person to watch this, and they kept being like, I can't believe they did this sitcom, and... Even after hearing that three separate times, I still couldn't believe they did this sitcom. <laughs> it was not at all what I was expecting. I so I was weird. trying to like rack my brain. I was like, what could they be talking about? And then they I started the episode. And I was like, oh no way, <laughs> right, right. And that's and 
So one of the things that Peaches said earlier when he was talking about how he doesn't envy writers, or I guess does envy their ability, but is happy he's not a writer. I knew there was something that I wanted to say to that. I forgot. And what I wanted to say is how well these people get what our reactions to things are going to be. Because the way this episode just started with, bam, Malcolm in the Middle, I had, like, they knew they were going to be, no one's going to know. No one's going to be expecting Malcolm in the Middle. So we'll just hit him immediately. It's, it was just so perfect. Yeah, there was nothing in the trailers that gave away that this is going to be Malcolm in the Middle. Because how do you give that away? Uh, I mean, they couldn't because the only things that would have betrayed the fact that it was Malcolm in the Middle was the kids talking to the camera. Mm-hmm. And they didn't want to show the kids in the trailer. So. Right. Also, correct me if I'm wrong, but past this episode, all of the stuff in the trailer has been shown. There's one shot that I remember of wanda in a blue shirt magicking her living room like which uh, i think like is glad yeah mm-hmm. which i think is from the next episode which i assume is modern family but then after that and and, and i have not watched the most recent the past, chris oh i'm sorry <laughs> i haven't watched the most recent trailers oh yeah i've been intentionally not watching any yeah recent yeah trailers. because i already feel like that i've seen too much yeah mm-hmm. agreed mm-hmm. Yeah, I don't. I'll say this real quick. Uh, I don't. I don't love that the Twitter account for Disney Plus keeps posting like next week's episode trailer. I don't watch those. I don't know if you yeah. guys. You guys probably no, are avoiding those too. Like yeah. I watch the initial trailer and then I keep seeing them on Twitter pop up and there's new clips and I'm just stay away from me, heathen. I don't want you. Get that's out of what, here. That's why I turn off autoplay. <laughs> yeah. I wish I had the discipline to not watch any trailers ever. Because even and, and what I'll try to do is just watch it once and then try to forget about it. I'm like, OK, I, I got the gist of it. Uh, I'm excited, but I don't want to spoil myself later because in the original trailer, we saw the Halloween scenes and we saw kids and we saw trick or treating. And for like five episodes, they are asking, why aren't there any children in, in Westview? But because of the trailer, we knew this was coming. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I, I didn't like knowing about Vision finding Agnes in the car ahead of time because that's been like a point of reference for people. Yeah. That scene slightly played out differently though. They kind of did not the full, um, not the full, not Hulk in Wakanda. Hulk Hulk in Wakanda. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. But slightly different dialogue, at least that doesn't really make it better, but you know, yeah. um, Something I noticed. One thing I will say, I actually, I absolutely do like and respect the peaches school of, stay away from the trailer. But one thing I do think they've kind of done in this show is they have used the trailer almost to further subvert my expectations. Like, here's the trailer. And also, and Star Wars does that too. Um, Here's this trailer. And you're going to think you know what's going on from the trailer. And we're just going to use that to mess with you even more. So I I do kind of regret watching the trailer for this, but it didn't really spoil too much because I think they knew what they were doing with it. That's like the, do you remember the Mandalorian trailer came out and we saw them on the ice planet? Everyone's like, oh my God, they went to Ilum. No. Yep. Yep. <laughs> and then it was very much just a random ice <laughs> block. Right. Of avoiding trailers and learning to do other stuff good too. There we go. I, I, I make that reference remember, first. I vividly remember the, sc- the discourse with The Last Jedi was that from the trailer, you know the entire movie. And then it turned out from the trailer, you knew literally none of the movie. That worked out great. Mm-hmm. The episode within the episode. I, for the record, I love Last Jedi. There are a lot of people who do not like having their expectations subverted. Air quotes. I'm doing the peaches air quotes thing now. I love Last Jedi, but that's I have a lot of Wars. things associated with me here. <laughs> it's for our Star Wars podcast. I assume you don't envy the trailer editors either. 
<laughs> oh yeah, that's. I've always thought it would be fun a, to put together job. trailers. Yeah. I ooh, I feel like I'd do that job way differently though. I would want to tell people nothing. I like. Mm-hmm. I actually don't mind the Hulk in Wakanda thing. Like, if you're going to show me something completely different, great. Because that means once I get to the movie and I'm waiting for that scene, it doesn't show up. And now you've surprised me. But You have to show enough to excite people. Yeah. But if you put something cooler in the trailer and then you replace it in the movie, that could stab. You could be stabbing yourself in the back with that because. Rogue One. Yeah. Like you could end up giving people an expectation of something really cool. And then it's not even close. But yeah, I feel one. like I expected my... that movie to be really cool, and then it wasn't. <laughs> why do we? Why do we do this? <laughs> Stop. We it. already. I'm sorry. I only brought those specifically for the shot of the Tie Fighter like staring her down. Yeah. I accept one subject picking on me per episode, and this is Surveillance Stork Land, and Rogue Oneville is in a different episode. Okay. Rogue Oneville. <laughs> Peach. I don't know. Do you ever watch old trailers by any chance? And I don't mean that old. I mean from like 80s and earlier. Because one thing I'll just about, for fun. Well, if, yeah. Because I don't know. Uh, if you, I don't think so. Because it was not that long ago, like in mine and Soundlord's lifetime, uh, that trailers really did actually just tell you the entire movie. Like this we're, is the we're not that much older movie. than them. <laughs> well, it, it specifically changed right around the '90s, but it trailers did used to very much be this is the outline of the movie. Now go to see the details which mm-hmm. I'm yeah. sure would infuriate you. <laughs> I, I fully accept that I'm a person that gets excited about things really easily. So you only need to tell me the bare minimum details about something for me to get excited about it. And I know that there aren't a lot of people, like not everybody follows that same train of thought. Like you you might need to see. I think you're in the majority now though. Well, maybe, yeah. But I definitely know that there are people out there that want to see a bigger picture because otherwise they're not going to have enough information to fully process their excitement. Me, I'm like, you. all you need to do is tell me there's a show about Wanda and Vision. You, that's your advertising for Peaches. Mm-hmm. Just say, hey, a show's coming out on this date. Wanda and Vision are the stars. Okay, that's all I need to know. I'll be there. I'll be if there the, at midnight. If the Avengers Endgame trailer had just been Avengers Endgame and the date... It still yep. would have broken all the records. Here, how you, many you tickets s- should I buy? <laughs> you took the words out of my mouth, Chris. Because yeah. I, 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 we we talked about this. I said I wanted the yeah. end game trailer to just be nothing. Just be like, hey, you remember the last movie? Show up on this day. But I mean, we talk about those trailer editors. They've got fans on one end pulling them in a direction. They've got the director pulling them in a second direction, and they got the movie studios that want to sell tickets pulling them in an opposite direction. So how to appease all three and make an exciting trailer, it's got to be difficult. And how much do you show? Um, I'm thinking of the Godzilla vs. Kong trailer right now. You have to understand that people are going to dissect these trailers like frame by frame. So we all think, I don't know how many of you are following the Godzilla vs. Kong discourse. Me, I'm a big Godzilla fan, so I am. But if you pause the trailer at like the very beginning, you see that something is attacked. Like you get a quick shot of something attacking uh, and knocking down a building and people running. If you pause, it looks like it's Mecha Godzilla, who has not officially been announced for this movie. But now we think we've all figured out. Okay, so they're using Mecha Godzilla, and that's who Kong is really fighting, and that's why Godzilla is apparently bad now and all that. So like people think think that they figured out the entire trailer just from the single frame that looks like that's probably Mecha Godzilla. <laughs> Where's Mothra? Why did you say that name? <laughs> Why did you say GPK? Dawn of Justice. GPK. 
The episode within the episode, with Billy <laughs> dressed in a Halloween version of the Wiccan costume from the comics, breaking the that fourth wall all a mouse in the middle, wonderful. Uh, to explain to the audience how great Halloween is. The twins establish for the audience that they are somewhat afraid of their Uncle Pietro, who just appeared and is now sleeping on their couch. Uh, they call Pietro a man-child and say their mom has been acting weird since he arrived. And a vampire. And a vampire, you're right. Which is funny because he is the undead. Wanda, dressed in a spirit Halloween version of the classic Scarlet Witch costume, <laughs> and Vision in an even lower rent version of the classic Vision costume, argue about the plans for the evening. You know what? That's a good point. The Scarlet Witch costume looks so much better than the Vision costume. Why'd she have to do that to him? She's the one creating all this. Why'd she have to give herself the good costume and get, give him a trash bag to wear? <laughs> That's so messed up, man. I guess the justification was that it's supposed to be a luchador costume, apparently. I was really hoping when asked who he is, I, I thought he was going to say, I think I'm me, apparently. <laughs> Because it's not that far off from his normal outfit. Right. Like, obviously, it's the inspiration, but it's not its not a right. huge leap forward or anything. Right. Whereas she's never dressed like this. Yeah. Exactly. It was cool. We think of the justification that it's a Sokovian fortune teller. I like that. Well, that was... All right, that works. We also get a really cool scene of them talking about the luchador costume and then she's like i really like it in spanish and then he goes chili con carne because apparently <laughs> it's really funny to not know spanish and then say a random food word in spanish hilarious chili con carne is, it, is yeah. redundant is it better than though um what's his name uh uh nelson oh my gosh why can't i remember his first name foggy, foggy nelson foggy nelson saying the biblioteca line in daredevil yeah. Yeah, a good thing is always worse. funny. <laughs> I, look, I'm a native Spanish speaker, and I think it's funny. Like, I'm not, especially biblioteca, because it's biblioteca is like the uh, the mitochondria, the powerhouse of the cell version of Spanish education. <laughs> like everybody it has is. to learn is, biblioteca. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> oh, there's another part that we don't cover in here, but it's when um. They're talking about the costumes, and Vision's like, yeah, because it was the only thing that's in my closet. Mm -hmm. Yeah, And then there's, like, a really weird look between the two of them, and then Vision, like, changes, and he's like, just kidding, and he, like, mm -hmm. it's, like, super nice to Wanda from then. But you could tell that there was something, like, weird going on there. Yeah. Like, he's definitely more aware that she's running things, and he's not right. happy about it. Mm -hmm. you, I, you get the impression through his very subverted acting that it, it tells the audience right away that he is fully aware uh, and is slightly annoyed that, you know, and it's also a TV show. That's his costume for the day. So why would the costume department have right. anything else? Mm -hmm. It works on that level. But also he's like clearly annoyed. Clearly he, but then he turns it on. He's like, I'm a luchador or whatever. Mm -hmm. Maybe he feels the same way as we just did a few minutes ago, where like he's like, "You got a cool costume? What the heck, man?" <laughs> yeah. Uh, Wanda asks, confused about her brother, saying he's full of surprises. Vision says he's going to help the neighborhood watch patrol for the evening, which Wanda at first says that not that's not what you're supposed to do. Before Vision cuts her off, and she expresses surprise that he has plans. Billy lets the audience know his parents have been acting different, which Pietro hears and interrupts the argument. As Wanda is angry about Vision missing the boys' first Halloween, 
Pietro offers to be the father figure for the evening, allowing Vision to go on his patrol. As Vision leaves, he seriously asks Wanda to be good. Yeah, that was interesting. That was mm-hmm. scary. Mm-hmm. Using speed powers reminiscent of MCU Quicksilver, as opposed to the Fox version, Pietro takes Tommy out so the two can dress up as comic book Quicksilver. With the hair. Yeah. With the hair, they've got the whole the whole shebang. So there's this um, popular online theory. I don't know how popular it is, but it is an online theory that as Wanda is pushing this across and anytime somebody enters the field, that's how we're creating mutants because they talk about how Monica's cells have all been rearranged. I think we already talked about that being like part of her origin story. But if that was the case, if this is how we get mutants, do we really want all mutants to be from New Jersey? (laughs) Is that something we can live with? Sound Lord. Oh, boy. (laughs) Does that make Nightcrawler the Jersey Devil? (laughs) Where's the thingy? Play the thingy. Um... I here here's if you want to get real technical about it, if them crossing the hex makes them mutants, then they are not mutants. They are mutates. A mutant (laughs) is inherently uh, has a different gene, the X gene. That's what activates their mutant powers. They're they're born with it. Uh, If you're not, then it's just Maybelline. (laughs) Maybe. Yeah, that's that's interesting that you bring that up. Because we talked about on a previous episode, the um, Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. way of giving all the all the inhuman powers was the weird fish oil thing. Uh-huh. And so that distributed powers to people all over the world and not just in one central location. But if that theory is true, you're right. It's like, here's New Jersey. <laughs> they all have mutant powers <laughs> or mutate powers. And then there's everybody else, you know? To be fair, if all the mutants are from New Jersey, it would be much more understandable as to why everyone hates mutants. Like, it would make writing that to be... <laughs> They're all Guidos. All of them. <laughs> the thing that drove Magneto over the edge was getting asked what exit one too many times. <laughs> you know what mutants are like? They all spend all their time in diners. <laughs> it's true, New Jersey has more diners per capita than any other state. That's <laughs> that is my one New Jersey that's, fact. It's a good thing about New Jersey. Mutants Jim always sitting there eating Taylor pork, ham, pork roll. I'm I'm, I'm oh, from okay. pork roll territory. Oh, okay. How <laughs> would watch the Jersey Shore if they all had mutant powers though? <laughs> that is true. That would make it a lot more interesting. The situation sounds like it should be a mutant name. Gambit, what are you doing? <laughs> Gambit, stop! <laughs> <laughs> Snooky kind and of then does... we made out. <laughs> oh man! <laughs> Snooky would be like the Jubilee of the Jersey Shore X Men. Don't you ever, ever be rude to Jubilee like that again. <laughs> I know. I was. <laughs> I don't. I don't dislike Jubilee at all. The Danger Room sounds like it's like a club on the shore or something. <laughs> <laughs> you go down to go down to the seaside. And... Professor X is a drug dealer. Yes. <laughs> I really the X jet is just a party bus with a ton of ecstasy. <laughs> Peach, Peach, do you know what? Peach, you know what Wolverine's answer is when someone says, "Hey, there's a club over there on that beach." I would run at it. <laughs> GTL is Jim Tan Logan. I'm gonna run at him. <laughs> Oh, God. 
outside the hex on the sword base, Monica Rambo <laughs> argues with Tyler Hayward about how to handle the threats of Wanda. Hayward argues that Wanda has to be killed, and Monica insists they don't know what will happen if they do. Hayward gets personal, saying Rambo is weak because of her connection to Carol Danvers, that she doesn't know what the past five years were like, and that it's good she missed the death of her mother. Holy shit. Yeah, he's done like full evil yeah. now. Like, it started out subtle, or like, oh, this guy seems like there's something wrong with him. To now he's like, it's good that you were vanished from the universe when your mom died. <laughs> that was rough. Yeah. Right. The nerve of that dude. When Monica calls Hayward a coward, he has her, Darcy Lewis, and Jimmy Woo escorted off the base. But Monica Rambeau and Wu are able to knock out their escorts and go undercover. Also, is he a little racist? The way he was like, which one of you is the sassy best friend? Like, he keeps bringing up 70s Geraldine. Was that racist or sexist? It's more sexist. It could be two things. (laughs) (laughs) For Candleless Nuss. I wrote down Jimmy Woo does Kung Fu. And then I thought that was a good joke. And now I'm saying that's not a good joke. I apologize. I do like like that he was the one... Yeah, and he's yeah. the one that started it. It's like, oh, hell yeah. Jimmy Woo getting some action. He might yeah. be the perfect MCU char- side character. I'm just saying. I mean, he's got the magic trick. He's finally fighting people. He's like, he stands up to the bullies. Like, he's a, he's a good character. He just keeps getting better. Get his own show? Oh, yeah, have well, we talked about it? a Jimmy Woo show. They, like, pitch. They're, they're trying to pitch a Jimmy Woo, like, spinoff yeah. series. Yeah, no, because some guy who, he was a TV writer. I think he, uh, like, he, I forget what shows he wrote I for. Wrote that I the next files. But yeah, he he, um, he had tweeted something about about okay, but seriously, an X file style show where Jimmy Woo goes around solving mysteries, and it got so much traction that Marvel invited him to actually pitch the show to them. So did he really? Uh, yeah, like he actually wow. got invited to pitch the show. So he's like developing an actual pitch now. So that's uh, like th- doesn't mean it's going to happen, but they want to hear it. That's like FBI Brooklyn Nine-Nine, but Jimmy Woo is the star right. instead of Andy Samberg. And I love Brooklyn Nine-Nine. I'd watch the crap out of that show. Just one of the things I've realized about the show that I didn't know I wanted was like a but a semi-serious but still comedic buddy cop non-superpowered story in the MCU. Like uh-huh. the three of them doing their little palling around, sneaking around sword. Like that's some of the best stuff. I didn't know I wanted that, but now I, I know that I want that. God, we yeah. have reached a really weird point in the MCU where we're like, we're tired of Jedi's. I want the bounty hunter story. I want the random space rebel story. No, but that's actually me about Star Wars for the last de- couple decades. <laughs> well, that's the point, right? That feels like like lots of people yeah. who have been like, we're tired of Jedi's. We're ready for different stories within the universe. And that's not not that people are tired of superheroes because I don't know that any of us are. No. We're ready for other stories in this world that's been created. Right. How yeah. do the people react to the superheroes? Yeah, yeah. The yeah. aerospace engineer is Ray Skywalker. <laughs> <laughs> Didn't they do that with the DC universe a couple years ago? I don't think that show took off at all, but they had made like an office style show yes about the DC universe where um they were like it was like an insurance company that had to deal with like the aftermath of all the like destruction and stuff yes well and i thought that last very long i thought but, that's yeah. what it got made though doing. didn't it i think was so that, did it get made I, I thought it got made and it just yeah nobody yeah. watched it yeah okay well and i thought that's yeah, what it's a shield kind of started that way and then they gave the main character superpowers <laughs> yeah um 
But yeah, no, because there have been comics like that before. Like Marvels uh, was a series that's just about regular people in the Marvel universe having to live their life. Because like, what is it like to be just a regular New Yorker when Galactus shows up? <laughs> or right. yeah. things like that. Yeah, do they have like snow days, but instead it's Galactus days? <laughs> Invasion days. I got turned into a cow. Can I go home? <laughs> <laughs> Something I really did appreciate about... Oh, Oh boy, what's his name? Hayward. Uh, kind of being mean to Monica and them is that he, you, you get the sense, kind of like you did in Civil War, that wh- how do normal people feel about all these superheroes? What's their perspective? And I think it's split because we haven't seen any much post Endgame except for, you know, Spider Man, which is kind of a more happy movie. But are people happy about the Avengers or do people hate the Avengers? And I think it's a 50, 50 split because Hayward seems, he goes, you know, you're getting all comfortable with your superheroes, but they're dangerous, you know? Yeah. There's He's a, there's gotta be a Accords. Exactly. Yeah. I feel like it would be hard to hate the Avengers after they brought back half the universe. But I think if I've learned anything over the last several years, people will find a way. <laughs> well, yeah, and, and that, because in real life, let's look at this last year, people will politicize anything, and anything people are going to kind of split up half and mm-hmm. half, no matter how straightforward it should be, right? Yeah. It's like a common thing with, like, superheroes, though. Think of, like, J. Jonah Jameson, and think yeah. about how he talks about Spider-Man. The only reason we have these things, anytime something bad happens, the Avengers are there. There's a superhero there. Anytime these mass casualty things happen superheroes are there if we didn't have the superheroes then we wouldn't have these problems obviously that's not like a rational way to think about it but you could very well see somebody having that argument it's like nuclear escalation where right now everyone has weapons because they're ready to to stand back uh, to, to defend themselves i guess not that i think nuclear weapons are a good defense but that's a whole that's another issue sure so you have the superheroes to stop us from superpowered threats but are there more superpowered threats because there are superheroes chicken or the egg kind of thing and they've gotten into that a little bit like in the avengers movies and civil war and all of that yeah vision does say it that threats yeah. keep escalating maybe because we're enticing them to yeah yeah it's like when uh uh, Fury says it in the Avengers that they've announced themselves to the universe as, hey, we're here. And that's what gets Thanos' attention about Earth. That and the fact that there are stones there, Infinity Stones. Inside Westview, there are suddenly enough children for streets full of trick-or-treaters. Wanda attempts to test Pietro on his memories of their childhood and asks why he looks different. And Pietro dodges the question. As he helps uh, with twins... he'd been better at dodging in Age of Ultron. Snap. Sorry. Wow. There's a burn heel. As he helps the twins trick or treat, Pietro exclaims, kick ass. Wanda pointedly repeats kick ass to herself. Yeah, that was fun. (laughs) I I made a noise loud enough to make the dog run and hide when that happened. There's no way that's on accident. There's no, no, no way. No. Like, I don't believe that we're getting any sort of kick-ass tie-in, but that that's on purpose. Right, yes. Yeah. It was absolutely a nod. And especially For those when- of you who are unaware, uh, we should explain that Kick-Ass, the movie, stars Aaron Taylor Johnson, the MCU Quicksilver, and Evan Peters, the Fox slash WandaVision Quicksilver. Well, and when Wanda, or when Pietro says kick-ass... 
I definitely think, you know, okay, whatever. I, I, it didn't register. But the way it, like, Wanda, like, repeats it and the, the show lingers on that for a second. Like, that was when I'm like, oh, yeah, oh, yeah they just did that on purpose. Yeah. They said the thing. They said my the favorite thing. part about that is that from Kick-Ass, um, Evan Peters looks almost the same. He's, like, the same, almost the same guy. And Aaron Taylor Johnson is a different human being. Mm-hmm. He got huge dude did you see the meme that was like turns out aaron taylor johnson is actually three separate people one named aaron one named taylor one named johnson (laughs) aaron was him from kick-ass taylor was him from uh as quicksilver and johnson is what he looks like now which is like even bigger with like a a lumberjack beard and like a a buzzed haircut he looks like he looks like someone calls him daddy Dude, he's so but big. Yeah. In fairness, he got he started getting ripped for Kick Ass Two, because True. we just rewatched those movies, and in that one, I think he takes his shirt off like three times because why not? You put in the work, right? Yeah. Yeah. Now, wasn't Evan Peters recast in Kick Ass Two? Yes, he was. You really want to get into the weeds yeah. on this? Well, what, also, what's funny is his recasting. So his character in the second movie wants to be a kick-ass. And so he goes and gets a costume that's the exact inverse colors as oh. kick-ass. So he does a reverse flash. And <laughs> kick-ass says to him, it's a little derivative, isn't it? It doesn't cost <laughs> ass too. Doesn't he call himself ass kick too? Like ass kicker. Ass kicker, yeah. yeah. Yeah, I read the comics. The comics are even like more brutal than the movie and the movie is the movies are so brutal yeah and and i'll break it up now even though i think this is really just a coincidence because malcolm little is such a perfect choice but malcolm in the middle starred brian cranston who was in godzilla with elizabeth olsen and aaron taylor johnson man it all comes full circle i hope godzilla shows up on the show <laughs> that's what you're getting at really i really you know if you add godzilla to anything i'm for it Marvel back in the day had the comic book rights to Godzilla, and Godzilla was part of the six one six universe, the mainstream Marvel wow. universe. Hmm. Today Shield had a had like a branch called G Force or something that was G Force. I forget, I forget what it was. Records. Maybe not G Force, but it was G something, and it was the Shield branch that dealt specifically with Godzilla. Hmm. Herb on neighborhood watch duty tells Wanda he needs to take care of the pranks across the neighborhood caused by Quicksilver and the twins. Wanda says Vision can help, and Herb says he's not on duty tonight, startling Wanda. When Herb sees Wanda startled, Herb asks, you want something changed? Now, uh, Peaches, Wanda is acting very strange in this episode. Not that she hasn't been acting strange the whole series, but <laughs> this episode in particular. Her MO is strange at this point. So mm-hmm. I, what I found the most interesting about this episode was her dynamic... Um, now that we've gotten to episode six versus what it has been previously, right? She had been trying to hide all this stuff and make it a sitcom for a long time. The end of episode five, she has this confrontation with vision where he makes her aware that he knows there's something going on. He talked to norm. Who's not actually norm. And, you know, we see the fallout of that at the end of episode five. Then at the beginning of this episode, like right off the top, we have that confrontation in their home that we already talked about between the two of them. This is the only outfit in my closet. What else was I supposed to wear? Like he knows something's going on. It feels like they've reached this understanding where vision knows that she's 
got her hold on this place and she knows that he knows. So in order to make their relationship work fluidly, they have to come up with some sort of compromise. Um, And so this, you know, the weirdness starts happening. And I think that it has something to do with maybe Wanda letting up a little bit because she knows that vision knows Um, right off the bat. Wanda saying like, that's not what you're supposed to do. Like trying to start a fight and he bats it down. Like, yeah, but I know that something's going on now. So you need to let me do what I want to do. And then this scene with Herb who has been such a mystery of a character, like being in on it, feeling like he's not in on it, wanting to tell Vision what's going on. But he literally says to her, like, do you want something changed? Like, now he feels like he's more enlightened a little bit. Um, But as a result of all this, I mean, it feels like the whole town starts becoming a little bit more hectic. Quicksilver brings up, you know, it's a nice touch that you brought all the kids back for the Halloween episode. Like, all the kids are back now. What what were they doing before? This is a question that we've had on the podcast that they address in the show. Is that because Wanda's letting up and now the kids are out playing? I don't know. Um, Herb's not trying for that, that sitcom vibe anymore. He's kind of like, he's got the bouncer role going on almost. He's like, you want me to take care of anything? Like, it's strange. And, um, and then, of course, we get all of this, like, really chaotic, creepy horror type stuff happening where Vision's walking around the neighborhood and there are neighbors literally stuck in loops. The woman, like, there are so many scenes from this show that really scratch my itch for watching creepy things. That woman, like, trying to put her her, uh, shirt up on the clothesline back and forth while a tear is going down her face because she can't do anything else. And then I... The second time I watched it, I noticed the husband in the background, presumably the husband, is putting down the bucket of candy, the pumpkin-shaped bucket of candy, and then picking it back up, and then putting it down, and then picking it back up. Like he's stuck in. I pick it up and I put it back down. Right. (laughs) I lift things up and I put them down. Um, And then you know the people even further away from Wanda at the border, they're not even doing anything. They're out and about, but they are just they're just standing there, and so. I just think it's interesting, whatever's happening, either Wanda's letting up, whoever else is in on it is letting up on the powers a little bit. I imagine if you are trying to film a Halloween episode and you're putting all these extra people in it, it's probably a lot harder to maintain control of that many people. So that might be all it is. I might be reading into it too much. But I almost think it's it more has to do with the fact that well, she knows that Vision knows now, and they're the only two that she really cares about in the whole town. So if everybody else is a little bit off character at this point, who cares? Vision already knows, you know? Can you remind me? Um, sorry. Yeah. Wait, that part when Vision is exploring other neighborhoods and he walks into a cul-de-sac and he tries to ask an adult, are those your kids over there? What were the kids doing? Were they still Stay running still. around or were they also kind of nope, frozen? They were frozen. They were frozen, they were frozen too. too. Okay, okay, okay. Everyone like has that. to get candy, but they're not moving. Yeah. Gotcha, gotcha, gotcha. Because I, I, I was sort of under the impression that she can't control children, and that's why she kind of tucked them all away. But it, it seems that she just can't control her children. Uh, I think that's more the case, too. Yeah. yeah. It's interesting that 
the only person once we get to Vision's perspective in that epi- in this episode, the only person that he interacts with that can respond back to him is Agnes, and I'm putting a pin in that. Mm-hmm. My impression on on the what you were saying about the lady and and the guy and all these other uh, extras, if you will, is that they're kind of like NPCs in a video game, non playable characters, where if you're not like if you're playing Grand Theft Auto or whatever, the characters around you are moving, but they're like on the other side of the map, there are no characters. The game isn't going to waste processing power, making all these other people that you can't see do stuff interesting or talk or walk around. And so I think Wanda is kind of using all of her power to kind of get this thing going around vision uh, because this is all basically for vision. But the second vision breaks script and go somewhere he's not supposed to be furthermore Wanda doesn't know where he is because she expected him to be with uh herb uh she's not controlling those people and she just kind of pauses them and they're all stuck which is terrifying because like you said that lady was crying she's clearly in pain and if you've ever done you know some weightlifting if you're holding this position for hours on in your arm is gonna be mm-hmm. just falling off it, yeah it does not matter how much weight you're holding that's <laughs> That's yeah. going to start to hurt. It, it kind of ties back in with the comic plot that we've talked about a couple times now from West Coast Avengers, where when you found out that the kids were only constructs of Wanda's mind combined with pieces of hell from Mephisto, when the the, th- the way they figure this out is that the kids disappear when she's not thinking of them. So here she is not thinking of these people, and it's not that they're disappearing, but they uh, stop working while she's not thinking about them. Yeah. She doesn't have the brain power really to, to focus on all that. She can only focus on the show who's in the show right now. Yeah. This is going to tie into something I'm going to bring up later. Um, But yeah, I I was wondering if it's more like almost like a video game where it only renders what your character, what's in your character's frame and everything else is standing in the background, ready to be rendered when you see it. Um, Mm -hmm. And almost kind of Truman show esque. Like are these people, Peach might be right, but I, I was also feeling like it's more like everyone is in their ready position until Wanda gets nearby. And the closer she is, the more likely they are. Maybe maybe they're in their holding position. Maybe, like there's their frozen position when Wanda will never be there. There is your home movement, almost like an animatronic that's waiting for its actual show scene uh, for when Wanda yeah. gets real close. And then there's the people that are actually active because they are part of part of the Wanda experience at the moment. That just um, gets more horrifying. Though, oh yeah! Oh yeah! Oh yes! How mm-hmm. long have those people been standing mm-hmm. there? Like, did she have to wake up early and fly around the town to get everybody in position, or have they been standing there for God knows how long because she hasn't let Vision leave her sight for however long it's been? I mean, My... those people could literally have been standing out there, actually shitting in their pants for. I mean, think about the commercial that happens. Right. You know they the kid turns into a skeleton on the beach because he's just sitting there doing nothing for how long? That is That's my working what everyone's theory. doing in the town. That is my working theory. If you are not near Wanda, then you are just completely still until you're relevant to the story. Whew, I just connected the dots. Terrifying. The mm-hmm. uh, just now, in this you, moment. You just connected my dots, too. I, I appreciate that. <laughs> oh, glad to be of assistance, but that commercial terrified me. Whew. Yeah, you know, I was wondering what the commercial was about, and I'll bet you're right. That makes the most sense. Yeah, of anything I've heard, it's yeah. not about Good the job. past; it's about what's happening right now. Okay. Ugh. It kind of reminds me. I'm trying to find the name of the uh, 
Um, there's a comic. There's okay. Are any of you familiar with? He's a manga artist named Junji Ito. Mm-mm. He does really disturbing horror comics, and there's one called Earthbound. Not not like Ness, but uh, <laughs> and it's called Earthbound, okay. and it and this phenomenon happens where all these people are just standing in these places across Japan, and they can't move. And there are reasons for why they can't move. And, and it, I don't think that's going to be the same reason as in WandaVision. But that's what it reminded me of. These people who are just in these spots, rooted to the ground, and they cannot move from that spot. And it is a really creepy comic. And you can find it online fairly easily. Just search Junji Ito Earthbound, and you can read it. And it's a very disturbing, creepy comic, as all of his are. Bookmarking that yep. so I cannot sleep later. <laughs> yeah. I have a question for you guys. Do you think, because I was wondering, is it like trick or treat pranks, uh, neighborhood watch or whatever, but Herb has got an earpiece and there's a lot of other people presumably on neighborhood watch. Do you think that she kind of made this as her own like personal security now that she knows that there are sword agents right outside? It's possible. I feel like, I feel like that's a good, I, I'm, I like that theory because a, par- a point that I didn't add to these notes, but I also noticed is when Herb is like rattling off the things that quick, the vandalism that's happening in the neighborhood, everyone's candy gets stolen. And then he says everyone's candy is stolen, but then it turns to, he is ahead of what Quicksilver is doing. He says all the yeah. pumpkins are being smashed. And then we see the visualization of them smashing the pumpkins. And everyone's covered in silly string, and then all the silly string happens, which is almost like it's weird. I don't know if it was meant for more of a comedic effect. But is it, it a gag? Like, exactly. Yeah, yeah, but it feels like he's not there to actually watch the neighborhood at that point because he is. There's something. Yeah, else it becomes a punchline at that point. I'm glad yeah. you brought that up because here was my interpretation of that. Herb knew what was supposed to happen because he knows what's supposed to happen in the episode. The same way Agnes knew that she was supposed to hold the children. Hmm. And so, yeah, they read the script. Yep. Mm-hmm. And I don't think yeah, how do yes, they they lines I don't think there's literally a script that they read, but yes, proverbially, that's exactly what I'm getting at. Interesting. Bef- I, sorry, I, I don't know if you're about to move on, but um, <laughs> the, the the cutaway gag when they're uh, trick or treating in Sokovia, first of all, uh-huh. hilarious. Yeah. But second of all, did you guys notice that they're dressed up as uh, Black Widow, Widow. and? And Nick, Nick Fury. Fury. Yep. Nick Fury, was, yeah. That yeah. was uh I was gonna bring that up in probably about two minutes. <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> no, that's fine. No, that's what we do on this show. <laughs> we jump all over the we place. Keep, we, we always accidentally say what someone else was going to be saying in two minutes. Yes. We always stop uh, Eduardo from and, talking. Yeah. That's that's really what the show is about. <laughs> I feel like it would be worse if I made him go back a scene after the fact. Yeah, <laughs> yes, so. yes, yes, you're yeah. right. <laughs> I will. Um well while we're still talking about this scene, I do want to point out that and I haven't done super research into this, but Pietro mentions Shangri-La. In the Marvel comics, apparently, Shangri-La was founded by the Vision. I don't know the details of that, but... Now, Shangri-La, of course, is just like... A, it's a cultural reference outside of Marvel as right. well. But it's interesting that the Marvel history of it involves Vision. And it's this utopia where you don't mm-hmm. really necessarily want to leave because you're too happy in what's happening, mm-hmm. right? Mm-hmm. The holodeck. Yes, yeah. Vision wanders the outskirts of Westview and encounters people standing still or performing the same ranges of repetitive motion in one spot with one woman crying as she's stuck in place. 
The, the way the camera just lingers on her mm-hmm. for like a few seconds too long. And you don't notice the tear at first, but it just becomes more and more prominent. And then you notice it and it's like, oh, it's so creepy. Now, Robbie, uh, school us on some of the sitcom influences for this episode. So um, one reason uh, we kind of talked about this towards the start of the episode. And there was a reason I felt it was better to bring it up now um, in this episode, which is this time we not only have great sitcom references, which I'll get into, but kind of as we've already been discussing, they're starting to use those sitcom settings to also point out the creepiness that's going on, which I think, and, and we've already now discussed this probably to death, but which is what I think is going on with all the people standing still. They are the extras waiting on their marks to be on camera. And that is a sitcom, you know, a filming thing. Uh, but in this case, it's creepy. And uh, kind of like, like we were talking about the cameras just lingering there. Chris was talking about that creepy moment. But in that creepy moment, also, we've got the uh, the light, poppy, ska background music still playing. And it's still playing as he walks away and leaves her there crying. Which is just, it, it's unsettling that it is simultaneously a light, happy family sitcom and also an actual, like, horror story going on. So that dichotomy is really, I think, um, pretty crazy and interesting. Uh, another thing that I think is kind of bringing up calling out the sitcom thing and making it making you notice it and it be creepy is the wide shots of the neighborhood and they used a lot of them in this episode it looks like a a very sparse neighborhood like these houses exist but with lots of unused space around them like is this an actual livable place or not and the, the answer is it's not an actual livable place because this is the warner brothers ranch which is it's for those that don't know the warner brothers ranch is a shooting shooting location for warner brothers where they have um, neighborhoods and houses and streets that exist to be film sets, TV sets. Uh, the uh, I think we discussed this, but Bewitched was sought on the Warner Brothers Ranch. The Bewitched house is Agnes's house. Um, I don't think mm. we brought up because it's not super important, but it is an interesting bit of trivia. Uh, another house on the Warner Brothers Ranch is the uh, National Lampoon's Vacation Home, which is where the Vision family lives. They live in the National Lampoon's house. Um, so... Uh, if you picture Chevy Chase plugging in the Christmas lights, that's where they live. <laughs> <laughs> so all those wide shots, it looks like a film set because it is. It, and it, so they're making this story within the story be exposed for what it is, which is ends up making it really creepy and uncomfortable. Like you're watching this sitcom, which is supposed to be a sitcom, not really a sitcom inside of a real world. I can't think of the right way to put those sentences together, but, and I hope I'm not crazy on this, but it just makes everything more unsettling. Um, Looking, especially that cul-de-sac scene, that cul-de-sac scene where it's like, this is not where actual people live. And these are people that are not getting to actually live their life just makes it stand out more um, frightening. Uh, A side note that I forgot to notice. Did anyone notice if there was a fountain when they were in the town square? I need to rewatch and I should have rewatched before this. If anyone's listening, Go back and see if there's a fountain, because if there's a fountain in the town square, that fountain is the fountain from the 1776 movie. That fountain is the fountain from uh, what, what, what movie? Um, Hocus Pocus. And that fountain is the fountain from a famous sitcom. Oh, the one that they dance in. Mm-hmm. Yes. Uh, I never yes. realized that the Friends Fountain was in Hocus Pocus. The, <laughs> the Friends Fountain is on the and Warner Brothers. Right. <laughs> the Friends Fountain is on the Warner Brothers lot, and it is part of the town square set which is i'm pretty certain where the like the what, what we're going to talk about later but the um where they're at Town where Square's there's the, scare. yeah where the movie's happening 
Um, so I need to go back and see if the fountain's in there. Obviously, we would have noticed if it was central to the shot. Um, but my guess is somewhere you might be able to see it in the background. Uh, anyway, so sitcom references. So we've talked a lot about how the sitcom's used for creepiness here. Um, we've already mentioned the sitcom is Malcolm in the Middle, and I don't know if you guys disagree with me on this. I believe this episode was more faithful to its sitcom source and also more focused on a singular sitcom source than any other episode before. Um, all the other episodes have, like, an ep- there was an episode that was definitely Bewick, an episode that was definitely Dick Van Dyke Show, but they all kind of borrowed from other sitcoms, and we talked about the last one was very, very, very much several different 80s sitcoms, even if it was heavily um, family ties. This one, this episode is Malcolm in the Middle, and it doesn't really bother being anything other than Malcolm in the Middle. Uh, and, it, and, like, the um, the theme song is reminiscent both in, per- in the style of the song. Uh, the song, by the way, has the opening lyrics are Don't Try to Fight the Chaos, Don't Question What You've Done. The lyrics are yeah, great in it. Yes. <laughs> uh, but if it's an illusion, sit back, enjoy the show, let's keep it going. Uh, but the, the, the opening is Malcolm in the Middle. Um, and someone in our group chat, I think it was Danny, said they also liked this episode because this is when sitcoms got funny. Uh, and that's the statement I agree with. I've enjoyed the sitcom homages so far, but this is when I actually start to genuinely like sitcoms and think they jumped up a lot in production value. Um, did everyone here watch Malcolm in the Middle? Negative. Okay. Not very good. So what I will I say, watched a lot of it. Malcolm in the Middle is legitimately a funny show. Um, it is actually smart. It is actually clever. It was a single cam, so it was not beholden to the studio audience system that was part of the problem of older sitcoms. Um, and it's still the problem on CBS sitcoms, but we'll get to that later. <laughs> but uh, so it very, very heavily Malcolm in the Middle, and it just does so many things perfectly, not just that theme song. Um, and, and like we already talked about, we weren't expecting this. I think that's crazy and cool. But the title of the show, again, is perfect. The The all-new... Halloween spooktacular. I'm sure you guys can remember that kind of towards the end of the 90s, um, this was a big thing for 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 sitcom blocks, especially on Fox, which is where Malcolm in the Middle was. Of this is it's the Halloween week, and you know an all new spooky Malcolm in the Middle. Like they just they got that right. Um, the cutaways are a Malcolm in the Middle staple, and they did that perfectly. Just the fast jump cuts to something previously, um, like when he's explaining why Billy isn't cool. Um, the absurd flashback we already talked about, also perfectly Malcolm in the Middle. Uh, the ska background music, um, the 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 character, it, it would have been Malcolm on the show. In this one, it's both Billy and Tommy breaking the fourth wall to talk to the audience. I thought it was neat that one of the times they break the fourth wall, Pietro turns and looks like, what what is this? <laughs> like In the background, you can yeah. see him in confusion. Like, what are you talking to? Um, even the... <laughs> um wanda's first appearance her attitude is absolutely the mother on the malcolm in the middle who full disclosure i hated and still hate to this day um but But that's uh, the point of the show right that is the point of the show um every now and then there was an episode where she would get comeuppance those were my favorite episodes um yeah (laughs) so uh but anyway yeah so i think they did it they did a great job um it's very malcolm in the middle if you have not watched malcolm in the middle it is a sitcom that i actually do think holds up very well um, it's occasionally dark and sad, but it is actually very, very funny, um, very clever, um, does not have to uh, pause awkwardly for the live studio audience to laugh so they can give patch, pack a lot more humor into its 23 minutes. And, and also They Might Be Giants was a fantastic theme song. Uh, one thing I think is interesting, though, is I'm, they basically skipped the 90s, uh, which I think is interesting. And we all thought, you know, oh, are they going to do Full House? Are they going to do Roseanne? Um, 
and, and Eduardo obviously said, no way they do Roseanne. And a bunch of people thought they were doing Roseanne. And I now realize that what we were seeing was Malcolm in the middle, which is kind of like Roseanne, but smarter, um, a, a different, st- mm. a different style of show in its production um, being single cam fourth wall breaking instead of multi-cam um, and traditional, but the same sort of thing of like actually showing a middle-class family, not, not the ideal of a middle-class family, but an actual working middle-class family. I did see someone online said that the Afghan on the couch might have been a subtle Roseanne nod. Yeah. I don't know enough about Roseanne right. to say if that's right. intentional or not. But. but I do think it's interesting they skipped the 90s. Um, I think, Soundlord, you pointed out that 80s and 90s sitcoms aren't separate enough of an era to have necessarily have done it. Though I did think they would probably take on something from TGIF. Um, they didn't. Yeah. Uh, so it seems like I the think only... that the, the Family Ties episode yeah. was TGIF-ish yes. enough. That it's like the same story beats that you would get right yeah yeah i think you're right and so i guess special episode the sappy lesson at the end i have two things i want to add i want to add that i i think we might still get 90s sitcom references even though chronologically it'd be out of order from you know Mm -hmm. the way the episodes have come because i think you guys might agree with this i think it'd be really cool if there was not necessarily a whole episode but just some scene of whatever length it needs to be of like whatever magic is in control. That's making this all sitcom just gets too chaotic. And people just are constantly swapping in and out of different sitcom eras because something loses control. And I think in those those little clips, I think we might see some of these sitcoms we expected because, Oh, it's Roseanne now. Oh, it's modern family now. Oh, it's back to the fifties. You know, like, just rapid fire magic is happening. Maybe there's a big fight scene where we're going in and out of sitcoms while it's happening. I think that'd be really cool. Just give me one scene as the Simpsons and I'll be happy. Yes. Right. <laughs> we go into animated, like we get an animated version. The second thing is ever since you said that they live in the national lampoons house, I'm thinking of vision walking outside as Clark Griswold and Agnes being cousin Eddie saying the shitter is full. I can't get it out <laughs> yes. of my head. <laughs> Okay, uh, I have a like a serious one and then like a funny one. All right. So what I think is going to happen and maybe I'm wrong, but this is what I think would be really cool to happen is I think we do get the Reed Richards. I think it is John Krasinski and I think we get the office. So, so I, I have this ahead in my predictions, but I'm pretty sure they are going to do a mockumentary style. That said, I think it's going to be, um, I think it's going to, Benchmark it's going to be like a more family. family-focused one, right? right? I yeah. think it's going to benchmark Modern Family. But if John Krasinski is actually Reed Richards, they can absolutely do Modern Family and have him be... Um, we just need Jim one talking head. Right. We just need yes. one John Krasinski talking head right. where he looks at the camera and goes... <laughs> and this, <laughs> and this <laughs> is where... <laughs> and this is where um, that style started to come. Like, Malcolm in the Middle was not mockumentary, but this was exactly when sitcoms started to eschew the traditional format started to be more worried about higher production value higher comedy value not caring about studio audience or or a laugh track cluing you in where to laugh um, malcolm in the middle was really what started arrested development um, and eventually it, it um, shows like 30 rock and uh um, community and the office and community like they all owe a lot to malcolm in the middle so kind of you know they picked what is a family style sitcom that can kind of benchmark a lot of those early 2000s extremely clever sitcoms that started coming along. Um, so yeah, yeah, I think you can definitely tie in 
The Office with another mockumentary show, which, and I, I think you're right. That's where they're going. What was your serious one? That was the serious oh, one. Okay. <laughs> What's your funny one? Okay, hear me out here. We haven't gotten the 90s. Mm-hmm. What if we do get Reed Richards played by Jaleel White? <laughs> and then we get the 90s. The 90s we all want, we all need. And we get the Family Matters reference that we've all been craving. He looks at his family who have been horribly twisted by the cosmic rays and looks at the camera and goes, did I do that? <laughs> I think that's a jump the shark. If you ask me. <laughs> uh, Arnaldo, I need to point out that so much of this podcast does not know what jump the shark is a reference to. It was a whole thing. Oh really? Yeah. I knew it. I, well, I was, the I was there with you. Yeah. <laughs> we got caught up. We jump over sharks Jeez. now. Say that louder so that some of our listeners can hear you say that. It's such a phrase. <laughs> yes. Like especially when you talk about TV, because uh-huh. if if you if you let a sitcom go too long, you see it become the villain, right? It eventually will jump the shark if you don't end it at the right time. Mm-hmm. But uh while you're while I'm on, the Malcolm in the Middle, did you notice the kitchen in this set is it feels exactly like the Malcolm Middle kitchen because much of that show is set in the kitchen. I think what that show does so, so well is it tries to kind of push a little more of the real family lifestyle into sitcoms, which was all very happy. Mm-hmm. Status quo stays the same at the end of every episode. Whereas in Malcolm in the Middle, it's a family that pretty much hates each other. They all hate each other. No two members of the family like each other. And, <laughs> and it really also kind of gets a lot of that middle school angst through so so well because malcolm is all of us in middle school basically but the the kitchen lines up the the cool older brother who you kind of hate but you kind of look up to him that mm-hmm. that that's in there i had something else about malcolm middle but i'll, I'll remember it later no that was smart mm-hmm. i didn't think about that oh the the aspect ratio they still do the aspect ratio but now it's in 16 by 9 which is around this point in sitcoms they started making the switch over to HD oh. and it's a little harder. It's a little harder to notice because in the previous episodes, the show within the show also was like low resolution. It's a little glossy mm. because of the studio lights. And then they'd cut to the very cinematic real, real life in this one. It's less so because we've made the jump to HD, right. but you still get the aspect change from 16 by nine in the show to the like cinemascope, you know, 2.35 to one or whatever outside of the show. That's yeah. the attention to detail here is absurd. Like I can't yes. even. Yeah. I just love yeah. this show so much. I do too. Yeah, I really like that episode of Malcolm in the Middle where Dewey brings a purse to school, and he like <laughs> gets made fun of. And so instead of not wearing the purse, he just puts a brick in it and then starts beating <laughs> up the people <laughs> that are making fun of him. <laughs> that show holds up, man. Is it streaming anywhere? I might need to watch that. It may be. Everything's streaming somewhere. Yeah. But to your point, Robbie, about not having more than one reference uh, in this episode, there's not a lot of time for it. The the show within the show only lasts for like three scenes before they kind of have to abandon it because so much stuff is happening. And there's a lot of cross between the real world and and the Hex. And it doesn't seem like there's... This seems to be the first episode where they don't finish 
kind of the plot line of the show within the show because of everything that happens. Yeah, you're right. Mm-hmm. You're right. There's no credits. It just gets cut off to time to expand the hex. Wow. I'm... Yeah. yeah. I and there's that. no like story kind of, yeah, there's no closure to the, the yeah. story that they create. It did sort of happen with the yeeting of Geraldine too. There it is. Yeah. yeah. So the favorite. Yeah. Whatever anything Geraldine. interrupts the show, then she's just like, she goes Wanda on them. I'm going to be fairness, that guy. Remember in that stream that we declared uh, that the caveman from Phil of the Future was named Cletus? Yeah. And then and then somehow on Wikipedia, his name magically changed to Cletus? Yes. I'm gonna, and it lasted for several months. Before the Wikipedia article about this show, we're going to change that that heading to the yeeting of Geraldine until it sticks forever. Yeah. Also, Is Malcolm that... in the Middle streams on uh, Amazon Prime and Hulu. Oh, Ooh. Commercial break. In Claymation, a boy on a deserted island expresses his hunger and is rescued by a radically cool surfing shark who gives him Yo Magic yogurt. The boy is unable to open the yogurt and slowly dies, turning into a cute Claymation skeleton. As the boy adorably dies and decays, the awesome shark excitedly recites the way cool slogan, Yo Magic, the snack for survivors. What a perfect commercial. First of all, right. creepy as hell. Second of all, so... Time appropriate? As, as all of the commercials have been up to this point. But this one really resonated with me. Right. Uh, just I'm just the right age for it. That right. I remember these radical commercials. Like the like all the old yogurt commercials. I'm thinking like the Kraft Macaroni and Cheese commercials. Capri Sun. Capri Sun, yeah. There were two influences for this commercial. One of them is like on the tip of my brain. Like that claymation style is absolutely something. I want to say it was Slurpees. But it was absolutely some hmm. commercial that's sticking in my brain. And I can't place it exactly. It's um, Gogurt. And then the other one. Gogurt had uh, claymation. I believe so. That's possible. Like the older Gogurt commercial. Yeah, I, I can't. The other one is I. It was absolutely like um, shark bites, the fruit snacks. Uh, there was a my yes. favorite. Yes, I love <laughs> them. Oh, no, shark bites. No, no. Are you thinking of gushers? Oh, Remember the when they would eat the gusher and their head would turn into? Uh, the that might fruit? be it. That might be it. But I'm not. I don't think so. Because that wasn't a whole claymation setting, was it? Um, no, it was just... No, it was live. Oh, Lunchables, maybe. Maybe. It, it, that's the thing. Is like It absolutely feels like something that I know I saw, and yet I can't place what exactly it was. Um, Soundlord is correct that the whole feeling was the late 90s. Um, um, okay, so looking through... I just searched claymation commercials on YouTube... And uh, the Lipton iced tea commercials. That's brisk, baby. Yes! Those are... Yes! That's brisk, baby! Yes! <laughs> yes! That's probably it. <laughs> How much better do you feel now? <laughs> Significantly. <laughs> now that you know. <laughs> also, this commercial was the creepiest in the way that it was still played for, you know, its setting and yet the kids dying. And I think you guys are right. I didn't catch it at the time, but I'll bet that's related to what is happening in uh, Westview. Which is, it's strange because so far every commercial has had something to do with Wanda's life. And yes. this one feels like, all right, we're caught up now. You you know everything you needed to know about Wanda from these commercials if you mm-hmm. read Between the Lines, Between the Lines. Now, look at what she's doing to all these people in Westview, possibly. Mm-hmm. And man, what a freaking plot twist in the 
45 second commercial of giving us this nostalgic feeling of oh my god i remember these commercials this is so cool oh my god what is happening to that kid uh-huh. <laughs> so well done oh man if the, only uh, he had a real gogurt he would have been able to right eat it and survive easy uh, to open easy, easy yeah. to eat slurp it right up yeah <laughs> and just I the fact that yogurt was a thing that children's yogurts so many different ways to eat yogurt like that was a trend in food <laughs> i remember the gogurts also sometimes being hard to open and you'd be struggling with that and then you'd finally get it because you pulled extra hard and then gogurt all over your face oh no <laughs> that's not appropriate <laughs> no it's not but i really did mean literal gogurt <laughs> so <laughs> all right well i'm leaving goodbye yeah. everybody. <laughs> it makes sense though that uh, talking about being caught up the last commercial was Lagos. That was Civil War. So we should be up to here or at least to Infinity War when, you know, magic for for survivors. She's guilty because she survived, whereas her brother and Vision have died. So she's dealing with that as uh... well. That's what I was going to bring up was there, there's a theory that it's survivor. It's a theory. It's a metaphor for survivor's guilt. Okay. Survivor's gurt. Okay. Survivor's sense. Why did she... I say that? <laughs> Then she survived for like two minutes after she killed her boyfriend. Yeah. She got better. (laughs) Turned you into a newt. Oh, Uh, she turned me into a dust. (laughs) (laughs) We already know she weighs the same as a duck. Wanda makes the boys return all the candy, starting an argument with Pietro. Pietro tells Wanda he's playing the part of a long-lost brother, saying, Come to town unexpectedly. Cause friction with the brother-in-law, stir up trouble with the Rugrats, and ultimately give you grief. That's what you wanted, isn't it? Wanda asks him what happened to his accent, and he returns the same question. This is such a weird interaction. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, he explains he remembers getting shot like a chump in the street for no reason at all. Then nothing else until he heard Wanda calling for him and appeared in Westview. This whole conversation... I feel like by the end of this, this conversation is going to make so much more sense. Yes. And right now we're like, what is happening with this? Because mm-hmm. like on the metatextual level where we're like, oh, he doesn't have an accent because maybe he's the Fox Quicksilver who never had an accent. I, I don't know. He was an American. But also right. Wanda doesn't have her accent. Why is that? She has her accent when she goes outside to yell at sword. Also, you're about to bring up this convers- This argument is interrupted because Tommy suddenly has his speed abilities, and I keep getting stuck on: is that a coincidence or not? Is that how the, is that how the show WandaVision moved on, or is that how Wanda or whoever's kind of guiding Wanda interrupted her argument with Pietro by having wait? Tommy has powers. You don't care anymore. I also think it's interesting that this scene, I think it's the scene, is playing on the monitors at the sword base when, uh, when we'll, we'll talk about in a minute when... Yes, it, cut it, it is. Out. Mm-hmm. Yeah, she is not censoring it. Is it because she's distracted or does she want people to see this? Yeah. Because we know that she's cut stuff out that doesn't jibe with her TV fantasy right. before. But this I feel is like playing her level, on the monitors. I feel like her level of control comes and goes because when the drone came to like shoot a missile at her it's not she didn't rewrite that scene or cut it all out she just moved the camera so you couldn't Mm -hmm. see it yeah so i don't know maybe she is too distracted maybe she's too emotionally invested in her conversation with pietro to be able to simultaneously control what the viewer sees yeah 
And Pietro seems to kind of confuse her. Like, of anything else here, Pietro confuses Wanda more than anything. Right. Mm-hmm. Pietro is doing to her right? what she's yeah. doing to her. Yeah, Wanda. As Robbie alluded, their argument is interrupted when Tommy realizes he has super speed. Uh, Wanda tells him to go ahead and try them out, but not to go past Ellis Avenue. So we get speed in this episode. We get Wicked in this episode. They're, 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 they both get their powers. Mm-hmm. It's really Which cool. I will remind viewers or listeners that technically her children never became Speed and Wiccan except for through complicated reincarnation. Their Speed and Wiccan were born to completely different parents several years after her children were reabsorbed by Mephisto. But when Speed and Wiccan happened, we later found out that yes, technically they were reincarnations of Wand and Vision's children who maybe never actually existed. It's very confusing. I'm glad we're simplifying it a little bit on this. Or are we? Are so, we Eduardo? Speed and Wiccan, it's cool that we're getting them. I still don't think they're real. I don't think they're real children. I don't think that they actually are. I think if they stepped out of this bubble, they would cease to exist. That's what I was going to say. Yeah. I think they're real in the hex, but they will not be real outside the hex. Yeah. Which and what, what do you think Monica means when she said, no, they're real? Mm-hmm. What do you think I, she meant she, by that? Yeah. In the real context of the world, because when she's in there, she thinks they're real. One, yeah. we've already seen Vision as a corpse. So I don't think. Uh, I don't know the semantics of human to synthesoid relations, mm-hmm. but there are just too many questions for them to have had to answer for them to have just like a weird, immaculate conception twin birth. Uh, I don't think it is kids from the neighborhood because they continually can change their age. And I don't think there are children that can do that in the neighborhood. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> maybe I'm wrong. That's why she went to Westview of all places. Cause there's some, there's a pair of changeling kids that live there. <laughs> I think when we hear the words for the children, it is because this is the only place that these children can exist. And for her vision and the children to have the life that they want, they need to continue to do this for the children. Because if this stops, so do the children. Yeah, mm-hmm. I think that's fair. Mm-hmm. That explains the warning. Don't go past Ellis Avenue. I mean, we watched what happened to Vision. Yep. Yeah. Maybe yes. the same thing yep. would happen to the kids. And then she might not be able to get them back. Yeah, I agree with that. I don't think it's don't go out there or you'll find out the real world. I think it's don't go out there or you cease to exist. Yep. Uh, I have a theory I I wrote down when it comes up. I guess I'll I'll elaborate. But Vision is is not real life. He's a he's he's a very, very complicated robot. Right. And he's and he's that advanced because not just the technology that you know, Banner and Tony Stark put into him, but the Mind Stone, which is eons ahead of them. What? How do we know that these kids aren't fabricated life by way of the same means? She would need the cradle that uh, Dr. Um, Dr. Cho created. Or maybe she has I, it, I don't know. Sure, maybe. I, I mean, I, look, I, I, that question, I dropped a bomb, I don't expect answers. Yeah. But... <laughs> Uh, and I don't have any theories about the kids at all, so I'm going to stop talking soon. But <laughs> I, I don't. I don't necessarily. I'm not necessarily going to put my uh, all my eggs into the they can only survive within the hex 
theory. I think maybe after all this is over, they're going to be, you know, future characters in other properties as well. I think it could be a combo, though. I think it could be at this moment where we're at in episode six. They can't leave or they poof, they go away. But maybe whatever happens in the next three episodes, I cannot believe every time I say the quantity, I just can't believe there are only that many left and we are still this confused. <laughs> maybe sometime in the next three episodes that gets resolved. Like, all right, you're going to be real now, you know, or maybe she has to deal with more grief. Maybe she is the new Thor where everything that happens to Wanda is just sad 24, seven, 365. And I, th- I, I hope that, we get Wicked and Speed in some capacity. There are a lot of cool story places they could go with them. Um, particularly with Wiccan. Um, Wiccan is married to Hulkling. And Hulkling, uh, they're, they're young. I think they're Young Avengers. I think is, or I forget if they're Young Avengers or New Warriors. But they're one of those young superhero teams. And Hulkling, he is half Kree and half Skrull, I believe. And recently in the comics, they got married, and Hulkling became the emperor of the United Kree Skrull Empire. So that would be some really cool stuff that they can do in the future, because we know that we're getting more of the Skrull, Skrulls, at least in Secret Invasion. And it stands to reason that the Kree and the Skrull, their conflict, no reason to think that it's ended at this point. And... I imagine we'll be seeing more of that in Captain Marvel in the Captain Marvel series as that goes forward. Uh, so, so there's a lot of potential there if Wiccan Billy keeps uh, keeps aging up to an age where he could appropriately marry somebody, and they can introduce Hulkling, who I think has nothing to do with Hulk. <laughs> I, I don't know why why he's called Hulkling because he's green. Yeah, yeah, I think that, I think that actually is the reason. Um, <laughs> Green people are Hulk. Come plus on. They, plus, they've talked about how they want to increase uh, representation of, of different groups in in the Marvel Cinematic Universe. And we haven't green had people. any gay... Yeah, green people. But we haven't really had any gay, gay characters besides the Joe Russo cameo. So... Well, they're talking so about having... doing one in um, Thor Love and Thunder. Love yeah, and like, like I assume Valkyrie is going to end up being LGBTQ. That was the implication, right? And... Yeah. Yeah, because because she is in the comics, I believe. So go there, but 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 actually, both Speed and Wiccan are gay. So that oh, and now we've got two on the sword base. Darcy hacks into the base's network and finds that Vision is being tracked inside the hex. His signature allows them to track the Westview residents, and they also notice several of them are not moving. Uh, and apparently, Chris has a wild Hayward theory that I'm supposed to say that he would like to mention here. Here we go. <laughs> I was uh. Angela showed me a TikTok last night that got my mind to turn. So I, I, I did not want to. A TikTok it. Yeah. I don't, I don't want to uh, um, take full credit for it. But Hayward has gone from kind of a jerk to, wow, he's horrible. He does not like Wanda. He seems very interested in Vision. He is tracking vision. We know that he's tracking vision uh, using uh, the decay signal of vibranium. He was presumably the head of sword while they were researching vision as well. Whatever the hell they were doing to vision, 
but we think that it's not good. Who do we know in the MCU that would hate Wanda and would be very interested in Vision? My Ultron. friends, I saw yes. this. <laughs> what if Hayward is Ultron? What I'm if a piece of Ultron? <laughs> What if a piece of Ultron survived like a Horcrux inside of Vision and soared through their research, brought him back? He's not a full power yet where he can like access the entire internet and create an army of Ultrons. But Ultron throughout the comics is nothing if not a survivor. Tiny pieces of him survive here and there and that's enough for him to be revived. He's almost impossible to wipe out. Yes. (laughs) He's a survivor too, maybe. How would you I think feel? I, would have, I think I would have mixed feelings because on the one hand, I kind of didn't like Ultron in that movie. I like that movie a lot. I think Age of Ultron is underrated. Um, but I think Ultron was just straight James Spader. I don't think there was a whole lot of transformation there. Uh, but it, if Marvel's good at anything, it's making things better in retrospect. You know, you can go back now and watch the bad Marvel movies. I use air quotes. <laughs> like Iron Man 2, Age of Ultron, even Thor The Dark World. And the context that they've created through future movies and how those characters have gone make those earlier movies better. It's a, it's a great phenomenon. And so by way of bringing Ultron back, I think, I, you know, if they did a little bit more with him, I might go back and be like, you know what? I like James Spader's Ultron. Yeah, I don't think there's anything about Jane Spader's Ultron that can't be, um, uh, what's what's the word I'm looking for? Um, is it retconned? Not really. Retconned. retconned isn't the one I'm looking for. Yes, improved. I'm looking for the word when um, you, you fix someone's personality, uh, but uh, um, yeah. Gas lamping. <laughs> Eternal sunshine of the spotless mind. Yes, but I don't think, I think you could always Marriage. retroactively... <laughs> make um rehabilitated i think you could rehabilitate Ah, ultron uh retroactively and still make him uh i'm bad when i need a word i can't think of the word i need um same happens on a podcast all the time (sighs) yes um but but no i think i'm sure he'll edit i I don't disagree make him work (laughs) i don't disagree with you on james spader's ultron but i also think you could very easily just make ultron work uh and and i have been reinvent him Right, reinvent his, yeah. his character. Um, I have been desperate for Ultron to have somehow survived because I would prefer him to be a omnipresent, an ever potential uh, MCU threat rather than this guy that was around for a few days and then disappeared. Um, this yeah. guy, air quotes. Um, <laughs> <laughs> so I, I, I personally I would love that. I would love if somehow ultron surviving even in a diminished capacity maybe even especially in a diminished capacity was what was going on here that's a wild theory and i'm not sure i subscribe to it but i think i want to i will say when i watched last week's episode i didn't bring this up because i figured it was just a coincidence because it's hard not to make this connection but when they're studying the drone that wanda had sent back to them it's a silver drone with red energy crackling through it, and visually it reminded me of Ultron. Mm-hmm. But I think silver and glowing red is always going to make me think of Ultron. So yeah. I didn't think that there was that that was necessarily intentional because her powers are red. That's she's a Scarlet Witch. 
let's not forget Hayward would have had possession of Vision's body for five years now. It's, yeah. Yes. Yeah. It's a lot of time to you know meddle with it and and figure you know maybe figure something out. Yeah. Ooh. Ooh. See now if it's true, I'm still going to be excited, but I it will have been more expected if we had not. Uh... I'm sorry. No, 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 no. no it's fine. Here. I I accepted that on this podcast. <laughs> I'm over yeah. here on Team Surveillance Stork, and I. This is the one that I don't know if I buy. <laughs> I don't think it maybe it's, it's going to turn out Ultron created the surveillance stork and then we're both going to feel dumb for doubting maybe, the other. Maybe the stork is Ultron. Can <laughs> I get a surveillance stork recap, please? Oh, yeah, yeah. So in episode three, when that stork is walking yeah. around and when they're having the conversation in the living room, um, I suggested that the stork might have been some other entity keeping tabs on Wanda. And then it was dubbed the surveillance stork. And so um, it gets brought up every episode now that I'm crazy, <laughs> which is fair. I don't know. Maybe it's just because I don't want it to be Ultron. I like, I also think Ultron is important to Marvel. I also like I feel like there are certain things that they just need to let stay dead in the MCU and not tr- like I, I'm getting like when you said that I'm getting a weird thing to bring up because we're hoping that we're getting Fantastic Four but I'm thinking of them rebooting Fantastic Four and it just being garbage again like I don't I almost want them to let the dead stay dead like think about if they're like alright let's make these Marvel villains that people didn't really like let's bring them back and make people like them does that mean we're going to get Malekith again because we don't want Malekith again like, <laughs> but, like Ultron's much more important than Malekith but yeah that's the difference I don't know like, I, we I know wanted Malekith is. in the first place but we did want <laughs> <laughs> I know that I know that but I don't know I just I, I think there's more to Hayward than meets the eye like he's definitely and you know they say that about robots more than meets the eye (laughs) oh my god he's a transformer checkmate hey (laughs) megatron i can't argue with you now you win have you this is a weird reference i forgot have you guys seen that weird anime clip of it's like it looks like it's going in a certain direction it's like like a it's like a it's like a schoolgirl, and she's like about to take off her shirt (laughs) And then suddenly she transforms into a fighter jet and it's the best swerve of all time. And that's what I think when I look at Hayward is yeah. him like just suddenly transforming into a tank or something. I'm going to Google search anime girl fighter jet. I'm pretty sure you'll find it pretty quick. Turn, turn the safe yeah. search off just so you see all results. Yeah, yeah you don't want to miss anything. You got to be thorough. I mean, honestly, if you just search anime schoolgirl shirt off, you'll only get a couple of results. So just go with that. <laughs> I mean, it's got to be the top result. What else? The FBI, <laughs> they won't think anything of it. Inside the- I, I know a lot of people think that Hayward is going to end up being Mephisto or something. But... <laughs> he found it. <laughs> I, I, find it. I found a different one, then it's somehow first. It's like a whole anime where they all like transform into random vehicles. Inside the hex, Vision encounters more motionless residents. 
Scanning the neighborhood, he finds a lone car stopped at the edge of a town at the intersection of Ellis Avenue. Checking on the driver, it turns out to be Agnes. In a trance, she tells Vision she took a wrong turn. He wakes her the same way he did Norm, and she begins to frantically ask him if he can help the town since he's an Avenger. Vision asks her what an Avenger is. Oh, that was that was so good. <laughs> Agnes then asks if she's dead. When Vision asks why she'd think that, Agnes says, because you are. You're dead. You're dead. You're dead. Children, no one leaves, and Wanda won't let them think about it. She descends into manic, manic laughter, and Vision puts her back into character. As Agnes drives away fully back to her zany neighbor self, Vision crosses Ellis Avenue, where he finds the hex field. Now, Peaches, you've, you've been stuck on Agnes this whole series. Every episode, you're like, Agnes, Agnes, <laughs> Agnes, Agnes. And this probably confused you a thousand times more. Oh, it really did. And I got like three messages from people that were like, so what do you have to say about Agnes now? Because I went on that long rant in our last episode of the podcast, and I basically told everybody that I knew <laughs> outside <laughs> of the podcast the same theory. And they're like, well, what do you think now? I got I to gotta clear this up for our listeners. I don't necessarily disagree with myself from last episode i still think agnes is a part of this whole thing and here's why when vision is on the outskirts of the town and nobody is moving at all and nobody is responding to him at all agnes is as far toward the border as of the hex as she almost can possibly be without breaking it and she still can talk to vision she talks to him like she's been up for 48 straight hours um, but she can still talk to him. So I think that somehow she's still involved. Um, maybe she is in this neutral role where she's playing both sides, like I was saying before, and maybe she bit off a little bit more than she can chew. Maybe the magic that Wanda is producing or the hex that Wanda is producing uh, is just more power than she has had to deal with in the past um and it has a stronger hold over her than than you know she's comfortable with um mostly i just really i'm gonna be so mad at marvel i'm not really i'll i'll only be mad at them for like five minutes if this whole agnes thing with all of the references to her character agatha harkness in the comics comics if everything that they've done in this show is just to fuck with us i am going to be so salty i'm gonna be so mad um but i i just i don't think that's the case i still think that she's more important than just a citizen of westview she still doesn't respond because when Vision says, like, but you've lived here your whole life, she doesn't acknowledge that. She just talks about how Wanda has control of everybody. And before she goes back into character, you notice that she is literally for Halloween dressed up like a witch. Like, she is in a witch's costume. And the laugh that she goes into maniacally is very reminiscent of a witch's cackle. Um I think she's still I, I I'm not unsubscribing from my own theory, listeners. If I'm wrong, I'll eat my words, but I don't think she's just an ordinary citizen of Westview. That is my statement. Thank you. These are my final thoughts. God bless. 
God here, bless America. <laughs> the important line, I think, from that exchange that he has with her before she before she wakes up is she says, I took a wrong turn. And he says, in the town you grew up in. Mm-hmm. What if this isn't the town she grew up in? Mm-hmm. Right. She didn't grow up. She's the only one that wrong, doesn't have a driver's license. Maybe that wrong turn is not a literal, I took a wrong turn in my car. Maybe it's, I, I messed up. Yeah. I messed up. <laughs> I think, you know, I think there's a good chance you're right on everything because I think there's a really good chance that for some reason, I, I'm not even going to pretend to know the reason, but for some reason, Agnes was out there because she was he- attempting to leave, headed out there. And when Vision got there, she was playing the part that she needed to do to reinforce to Vision what's going on, for whatever reason. But I think there's a really good chance that Agnes was acting, but not acting, because not the show. I I can't use normal words <laughs> because of how the show is, right? She was acting for Vision, not acting for the audience. I, I... But Vision zapped her, though. Well, yeah, you're right, you're right, you're right. If she really does have magical powers of some sort, it could be that Vision does the thing and she just plays along with it. It could have had no effect on her. Yeah. Um, And she's just playing it up, you know? I I think you're right, though. Like, I think some part of her was unlocked with that, but I still think underneath that she's more important than just friendly. Because she's in the the opening credits now, too. I mean, she wouldn't just be... She yeah, can't be a red herring character and a main character, you know? I don't want her to be. Yeah, I'm not going to stake my flag naughty. on that theory. I just think there's a lot of uh, potential to it. Mm-hmm. I would I would venture to guess she's somewhere in the middle, uh, which is convenient for me because I didn't have any radical theories be- before. <laughs> but I, I always got the impression that she was different, sure. Uh, she seemed to be up till now the only person who seems to think that they're an actor instead of a character. Uh, because you have characters like Norm, who once once the Hex takes over him, he's, or he's, not Norm, yeah, right? Yeah, Norm. Yeah. Uh, Aberforth, or whatever his name is, Abernash. Uh, when, when he gets unzapped and he goes back into the Hex, he thinks he's his character. He doesn't think he's an actor in a show, whereas Agnes last week messed up her line. And she's like, oh, do you want me to take it from the top? So she is definitely not the same as everybody else. And I don't think Marvel would waste so much time, like you said, to be a red herring. She's in, I don't know if you mentioned it, at the at the opening theme song. Uh, they She's wearing one of those 2000s, I have words on my butt pants, and it says naughty. Mm-hmm. Uh, and on the, on the one hand, you know, last week she said she has a, a higher than normal libido. And so she is naughty. But... You know, maybe she has also malicious intent as some, you know, in some level. But I do take this at, at face value that now she is also a victim of Wanda. And that she, it's never, they're all going to die here. She's never going to get out. Yeah, I think she can be playing, I, I agree. I think she can be playing both of those parts. Like, she could have been in on it somehow, and now she's in over her head. Now she has become yeah. a victim. If that's the case, does that mean that Herb is also... In on it, God, he's almost just as confusing, man. Really, he really is. He, but he was so robotic in that one episode that I didn't feel he was any different than most of the inhabitants of the. Sure, but if you're the if the qualification is he knows he's an actor, this episode he asks Wanda, 
do you want me to change right. something? Is he's not yep. what you want? He, in the same yeah. way that Agnes interesting. The interesting thing about that, though, <laughs> is that they identify Herb as his Westview citizen of New Jersey, you know, who, who he actually is when they find him on the, on the show, whereas mm-hmm. they don't identify Agnes. I almost feel like because Herb is their, at their literal neighbor, he just probably has a bigger part because he's conveniently located right there. And he's probably, if that, if the magic theory holds true that like the further away you get from Wanda, their NPC characters, if, if Herb is always right next to Wanda, he's always on. Right. You know? Yeah, he's right. a better life than everybody else. Good job, Herb. <laughs> you and I, I didn't mate. see him that... I didn't see him that differently than the mailman last week who the mailman kind of looks at her and gives him gives her a real kind of like ma'am like a very much like I work for you please don't fire me vibe you know yeah <laughs> really makes me wonder what Geraldine's life in the hex was like like was she autonomous was she spending time standing still hanging things up over and over like I don't she didn't have a home we yeah know. right she wasn't from around and here. how does she become and, such a big character right right well i think you know I, what, my, what i think sound lord these are all plot holes i will Easter eggs. i will reach through the screen here <laughs> and strangle you i i kind of have a watto theory uh my watto theory is that the mind tricks only work on the weak-minded and oh. there are some people that might just be a little stronger willed. And and as we see Monica, she's an incredibly strong willed woman. I think she goes in there and acts her way into like a reoccurring role. So Agnes is a Twidarian, is what you're saying. Yeah. All money. <laughs> um, I think, and this will go along with what uh, Monica, how she acts in a later scene. I think she's drawn to Wanda because she's empathetic to what she's going through they are both dealing with really heavy grief. And they're also both recently de-blipped. And Wanda got de-blipped, and Amelia got called into the final battle with Thanos. Monica got de-blipped, found out that her mother had died, and then goes right back into working for S.W.O.R.D. And they're still there. There's probably a lot of psychological trauma for people who got de-blipped just like there's probably survivor's sure. guilt for the people that didn't get blipped there's some weird guilt for the people that did probably for all the things that they've missed while they're also both dealing with for wanda it's the loss of vision and you know everyone else that they lost in, in those final battle uh you have to think that she's probably you know she comes back to a world where hey guess what black widow died and she was on a team with black widow for a long time so they, they, even though we didn't really explore their relationship that much, there certainly is the implication, uh, especially in the opening scene of Civil War, that Natasha has been training her. So she comes back, finishes this battle, and is probably like, hey, where's Nat? Uh, Nat's dead, sorry. Mm-hmm. Um, and Vision is gone. She's still, you know, you don't get over the loss of your twin in just a few years. Mm-hmm. So she is filled with grief. Monica's talked about how she felt wanda's grief when she entered the hex and and i think in that 
you know, Hayward is like, oh, you're you're compromised because you like superpowered people. No, that's not what it is. It's she's empathetic to what Wanda is feeling right now, and that's why she feels like she can reach her and help her through this grief because she's dealing with the same thing. Well, speaking of Monica, she gets a text from her aerospace engineer contact saying she needs to meet with him to get back into the hex. We are once again, this aerospace person is a, even if it is not Reed Reed Richards, which it has to be, even if it's not, it's going to be some sort of significant character because it's been brought up too many times. Yep. This is the confirmation that it matters who it is, even even if we're wrong about who it is. And she's saying him, I think, even puts me more on the track of Reed Richards. Well, I'll say what I said in the chat, because I don't think I said this on the show last week, was what if he walks up to introduce himself and Monica's like, oh, Jimmy, this is Doctor. And he goes, no, no, please call me Victor. (laughs) And it turns out to be Victor Von Doom before he's gone bad. Mm -hmm. That'd be cool. Yeah. So many origins. Uh, Darcy tells Monica her cells are changing at a molecular level due to the hex's radiation, and she can't go back in. Monica insists she has to help Wanda and is willing to risk it. Darcy insists she's staying behind to get more information off the network while Monica and Jimmy leave to meet the engineer. Pietro and Wanda sit down and talk about Westview while the creature who walks among us plays in the town square. Uh, Apparently something that I was not aware of. This is an Easter egg. So, uh, Arnaldo, please let us know because I have no idea what you're talking about. I take no credit for this. I saw it on Instagram. <laughs> but, <laughs> as, as many of us have. But, uh, and I haven't seen these movies, but uh, The Creature That Walks Among Us is a sequel to uh, The Creature from the Black Lagoon. It's I think it's a third movie in that the third series. One, cause the second oh. one was on MST3K. This is how I know things. <laughs> Robbie, do you need to speak up? Can you hear us? Are, like your hearing aids, are those working? I'm making an old joke. I, I can actually hear you and you can hear me. The rest of the world hears you. <laughs> okay. Arnaldo, please continue. Yeah, sorry. But apparently uh, in that movie, the creature loses his gills and they try to acclimate him to like normal like life among the humans because he's breathing air but he doesn't want to be there he longs to go back to the uh to the water uh and apparently by the end of the movie he goes back into the water and the implication is that once he's left this little town that he you know doesn't want to be in he can't survive anymore which is the reference to later on in this episode when vision tries to escape he can only survive in the hex so as the creature could only survive in this town now he breathes air instead of water wow it's a good I'm one, right? That's really good. Because I had no idea what was playing. I was trying to figure it out, and I could not place it. And I knew it'd be significant, but I was like, I, I don't know what that is. There's no right on the um, nose, yeah. image searching for <laughs> clips in WandaVision, right? No, only the internet can do that. <laughs> right. The power of the internet. Pietro asks where the kids were hiding until now. When Wanda acts like she doesn't know what he's talking about, Pietro makes it clear he knows Wanda's in control but thinks what she's doing is ethical. He points out that couples have stayed together, their personalities aren't too changed, and everyone has better jobs. Wanda is relieved to find out Pietro doesn't think what she's doing is wrong. When Pietro asks Wanda how she's doing all this, Wanda says she doesn't know. She says she only remembers feeling completely alone. 
As she gets emotional, she briefly sees Pietro as a zombie with bullet holes in his chest. Chris. Mm -hmm. Pietro, it seems like he knows a lot. It also seems like he is the only person in this town who's not afraid of Wanda. Yeah. Which would make sense if he is, in fact, her brother. Sure. But is he? We don't know. Even Vision is afraid of Wanda at this point. Which isn't unprecedented, I think. Uh, Not that he's afraid of her in Civil War, but he understands why people would be afraid of her. Yeah, oh gosh, just just like last week, I have so many questions about Pietro. First of all, when we see... Well, we assumed that when we saw Vision as a corpse a couple weeks ago, or whenever it was, that it was... First we were like, maybe it's a trauma flashback. And then we're like, oh gosh, maybe... She is parading around his dead body, unrepaired. But when he steps out of the hex, he still looks like Vision. Mm -hmm. But now she sees Pietro as a corpse. But it's still the Evan Peters Pietro. Or or Peter, or Quicksilver, or whatever we want to call him, since he wasn't Pietro in the Fox universe. If that is indeed who he is. I don't know. So is that a traumatic flashback thing? Why doesn't she traumatically flashback to her brother's actual face? I don't know. There's a lot. I know I sort of poo-pooed the Mephisto thing earlier, but things that he says in this episode, <laughs> poo-pooing Mephisto probably hurts. Um, uh, I'm so sorry. That was, that was. I'm sorry, but base. it's better than Mephisting the poo-poo. Okay, bye. Oh, oh <laughs> Robbie, Robbie. That is so Robbie. unlike you. Robbie never makes poop jokes. Listen, Robbie famously calls, hates. Robbie will make a poop joke. <laughs> In fairness, that wasn't a poop joke. Oh no, it was <laughs> worse. <laughs> that is true. Robbie has never taken a stance on fisting. <laughs> Robbie, would you like to take a stance now? Have a good night, everybody. <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah. No. Um, I lost my train of thought now. Oh yeah, so Mephisto. Mephisto. Things that things that Pietro says in this episode. Raise hell, demon spawn. He says to the children, the children who in the comics literally were demon spawn. Is that an Easter egg? Is that just a reference? Is it foreshadowing? Who knows? We'll know in three episodes, perhaps. He also says that this town is charming as hell, and then he says mom and dad would have loved it. When earlier in the episode. Wanda is not quite ready to accept. She's testing him to see if if he really is her brother. But when he says the nice thing, mom and dad would have loved this, she accepts that. And Pietro, in House of M especially, in the comics, he was an enabler. And he was the one who convinced Wanda to create this alternate universe in the first place. Obviously, that's not how it happened here. But he is at the very least there to keep her going, or so it seems. But he's also asking a lot of questions. How are you doing this? Why did you do it this way? Where have you been keeping the kids? Now, a plot point in the Vision comic that I did not get to bring up last time because it didn't seem relevant at the time, and here it is being relevant, is that there's uh, there are a few issues where uh, Vision's brother comes to town, Victor Mancha. Long story short, because Vision has the most complicated family tree in comics, is that he considers Victor his brother because 
Victor is a robot, turns out, who was partially created by Ultron. So they both consider themselves sons of Ultron, so they treat each other like brothers. They're on an Avengers team that Vision founded called Avengers AI. Uh, he's been in a couple other superheroes. He was on the Runaways, uh, so he's been in a couple of superhero teams. But spoilers for the Vision. It turns out that the Avengers have sent Victor to stay with the Visions as a spy to find out what's going on with, with Vision and his family because they're getting the sense that something is amiss. So he's there to find out what's going on as sort of a double agent. Is that what Pietro is acting as? If you remember in the last episode, when they sent in the drone, they say, what if we sent something in that didn't need to be changed? Pietro, now I don't know if that really fits in with Pietro, because clearly Pietro has changed. But what if someone somewhere was able to reach, if this is the Fox Quicksilver, they reach through the multiverse and he's able to fit in because he is Pietro Maximoff, just from a different universe. So he doesn't change when he gets in there, but he's still able to fit in as her brother in some ways. But she's aware that something is off. He's also hyper aware of his role in the television show. I'm the brother that shows up and causes all these issues. That's what you wanted. You know, I fit into the storyline of this episode. He is aware of that more than anyone else that we've seen, except for when Agnes is like, let me take the scene from the top. He's aware of his tropey role in her story. So here's a crazy wild thing that I came up with uh, during this episode that I just wrote down. So Pietro, possibly a character from the Fox universe, who is breaking the fourth wall. We're not sure if he's good or bad. He's showing up on cable TV. Is he Deadpool? (laughs) (laughs) We think that he's Pietro. He's the Quicksilver that Deadpool would know. So that's the form he's taking in this show. But he's really Deadpool, breaking the fourth wall. I don't think that's going to happen. But... (laughs) Because it kind of under, because it kind of undermines everything else I just said, but I'm just throwing that out there so that if I'm right, everyone can be like, "Wow, Chris, you called that. You're so great." That's my surveillance stork. Yeah, Chris. Oh my god, it is not that far fetched. <laughs> right, you're correct. It's not quite as far fetched as surveillance stork, but <laughs> it would be far fetched if the stork had a leak, a large. Yes, that would be far fetched. <laughs> I appreciated that reference. <laughs> Thank you. I, I think when, when looking at Pietro, again, I have to take things at slight face value, like just studying the facts. He says, first of all, Watto theory, he's too powerful and she can't <laughs> control him. But he states, uh, first of all, like he, he understands what his script is. Like he, he, he follows that plot uh, that he outlines later in front of the Incredibles and the parent trap marquee mm-hmm. in the movies um but then he also says that he has memories from uh aaron taylor johnson's quicksilver he says the last thing i remember i was shot like a chump which i think it's him also saying that wouldn't have happened to me i'm faster than that i don't get shot in my universe like a chump, but hey. this guy did yeah uh and then uh, when we see when we see her envisioning him as dead pietro it's it's her brother's wounds it's mm-hmm. not anything that he's experienced in his movies 
And he says you most of these people you retain your personality. So people forgot who they are. They have different jobs, and they're all playing a role. But their personalities are genuinely this gen- generally the same. His personality seems very in line with this character in the Fox universe. He's very like this irreverent video gamer, uh, rock and roll kind of guy, you know. And that's my only thing that I would say to deep debunk or, or debate your Mephisto theory or the Mephisto theories bouncing around is that he's very metal. It wouldn't be that off script for him to say something like unleash hell demon spawn uh, or make other references to hell. But I, I genuinely think he is uh, Pietro or whatever they call him in those X-Men movies that yeah. I don't really like very much. I, I genuinely think that she somehow brought him over or someone brought him over, whether it's a third party Mm-hmm. Uh, and maybe and I'm not saying he's not a spy, but it is genuinely that character who's been brought over and now has been imparted with these memories of her brother because he also mentions, first of all, he doesn't have a sister and he's not an orphan in his universe. He lives in this mom's basement when we first meet him in Days of Future Past. Uh, he does have a he sister. He just doesn't know his dad. He does have a sister in Days of Future Past. Oh, oh that's right. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. Yes. But he doesn't have a twin. He doesn't have a twin. I'm sorry. Correct. You're he's right. But it's a much younger Correct. sister. Correct. But my point, thank you. My point still stands that he wouldn't have those same memories with her as a sibling, nor does he know his father in those movies. He They sort of do a, a gag where he's next to um, Magneto and he's like, you know, I, I didn't meet my dad or whatever. But so I think all the evidence is there to say that's him. Also, what's in the future for Marvel? We kind of know there's multiverse shenanigans coming. I would be kind of... I think remiss for them to introduce this concept and then say, actually, no, that's not what you think it is, only to do multiverse again, which is what they did in Spider-Man, which yeah. is that Spider-Man goes, oh, wait, so the multiverse is real? And, uh, crap, what's his name? Jake Gyllenhaal goes, yeah, of course it's real. You're from this universe and I'm from this universe. Later, we find out he was lying about the whole thing. But actually, he's not. He just doesn't know the truth. There is a, a multiverse. So, yeah. And, uh, what's, oh. I, mean, I would like to just of... say that I I do not think that he's Mephisto for the record. <laughs> right. Yeah. Well, I I have seen that theory. Yeah, a yeah lot. that theory yeah. is out there. A lot of people saying, "Oh, his hair looks like devil horns." No, his hair looks like Quicksilver's from the comics. Well, and that seems like what we're gonna do with the Ten Rings as well. Is is well, yeah. There was an actual Ten Rings. Like it just wasn't the Ten Rings that we showed you. Mm-hmm. Yeah. There was a real Mandarin. We promise. There's also the theory like, that Aaron, uh, not Aaron Taylor, um, Evan Peters' character is the beekeeper, and he's actually a she or a sword agent, oh. and he that's why he knows so much, and that's why he's trying to get more information. He's that's still playing his role that Wanda has assigned to him, which is why he is new and wasn't there previously. Uh huh. Interesting. Um, that is what. That one. So my wife, Cat. That is her theory: is that it's the beekeeper trying to get in with Wanda. So well, then I guess we know what it is then. Correct. <laughs> <laughs> like it sounds. Cat has a pretty natural ability to. I don't want to fight Cat, but I don't agree with that. I don't think it. <laughs> well, I don't either. I... But also, I'm always wrong on that when I disagree with her. So <laughs> that's fair. I. I do want to know what happened to the beekeeper, but just based on the fact that at the end of this episode, when the hex gets expanded and all of the, uh, the sword agents get turned into circus performers, because that's probably what Wanda thinks of them. Um, I don't feel like that random sword agent they sent in would have had 
such a an important role. Like he didn't seem any different from any of the other sword agents. He just happened to be a victim of circumstance. Yeah, but why don't we ever get to is see how this? I? You kind of do, but do you? A little. You get to see a. a I feel like you see enough of his face that you could make out like who that is. I don't think so. If it was, I mean, hmm. we know who it's who he's played by. He's he's credited as the Zach Henry. What? Oh, that's right. So he's played by a guy named Zach Henry, which is hilarious. Oh, interesting. Four out of five of us. But um, but yeah, we know who he's played by because of IMDb. Thank you. IMDb. <laughs> Ruining fan theories since what, 1997? <laughs> yeah. Like interesting. So many questions. I, I, I would like to point out also that when he says shot and then left in the street like a chump, Quicksilver in the Fox universe was not shot. He was hit by some... Uh, phoenix energy in dark phoenix and he falls down into the street and then that's the last you ever see of that character not that he dies but he's just sort of like left there and then he just doesn't show up for the rest of the movie well that movie sounds no bad reasons it is i've only seen like half of it and it was not good what i saw maybe he's getting his because quicksilver in the mcu i keep wanting to say our universe but clearly not <laughs> and, but mcu quicksilver was not shot like a chump and died for no reason. He sacrificed himself to protect Hawkeye and the, and the children he, for the children uh, that that died in Sokovia. He 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 died a hero- it was a heroic sacrifice. It wasn't a chump's death. But Quicksilver running towards Jean Grey and then getting tossed aside and then never being seen again because he couldn't make it for the reshoots or something. That is kind of chumpy when he was one of the more popular characters in the x-men reboot movies that's a fair rebuttal (laughs) so that would that would that would lend itself to him you know coming to this universe and his maybe memories getting conflated uh as part of the hex where his own quicksilver memories are getting mixed up with the mcu quicksilver memories yeah i will say i am happy you brought up the uh um unleash hell demon spawn because Oh man, that feels that line feels too too on the nose to not be important. But yeah. Also, I'm starting It is at to the wonder, very least a fun easter egg. Right. I'm starting to wonder if I am just too uh absorbed in the potential theories on this show so that even like someone saying unleash hell demon spawn is like, "Oh, that means something. That means something." That's it. We've I also guess. constantly seen that this show has almost nothing on this show is by accident or coincidence. Yeah, and they're very aware of the things that we're going to pick up on as they demonstrated with Jimmy Woo's conspiracy board. Sword heads to the perimeter as Vision starts to make his way through the force field of the Hex. The Hex pulls back on Vision, trying to drag him back in, and eventually tearing him to pieces as it does it. Despite being out of the Hex, Vision appears to have a full, glowing mind stone in the real world. Now, I don't know because I don't think he ever actually gets fully out of the hex. Even when he is out of the hex, it feels like he's still connected to the hex. So does he ever actually technically step out? I mean, he like steps out, but he's still like part of it, you know? Yeah, I think he does, but you can see the lines on the screen that are like, it's almost like here is a, uh, some saran wrap and you're like poking your finger through it. And he is the finger 
at the end, like it's still pulling him back in. So it has his appearance from Westview, but he's starting to turn back into what he would look like in the real world, which was a box or a, a pile of scraps. Maybe it's like pulling him back. It's if like only Tony Stark was still around. <laughs> yes. In a cave with a box of scraps. And although you've got a, a theory for vision, right? So we talked about the Mind Stone oh, mind yeah. being out. You've got a greater Mind yeah. Stone theory going on. I, I do. I think, uh, I thought of this last week while I was listening to you guys. It was one of those, oh, I got a thought. I have to pause uh, these dudes and, and think it through. <laughs> but, uh, <laughs> but I mean, it's one of the things you guys do very well. You get people to jog their, their brains or whatever. Uh, I think that Wanda is in possession of a Mind Stone. And not the Mind Stone, but a Mind Stone. I think, remember, she was blipped. She comes back. Uh, for her, it was just a, a fraction of a second. And Doctor Strange is like, we got to go fight, right? And then so once everything's over, I think as demonstrated by Jimmy Woo and Hayward and Monica, everyone has a very good understanding of what happened at that fight, as if they watched the movie. You know, I think she's told pretty much how the whole endgame goes. And she goes, these guys found a way to time travel, go to alternate realities or more accurately, alternate timelines, steal their infinity stones to to bring everybody back, kill Thanos. You know, we, we had the whole fight and these sons of bitches didn't think to use the Mind Stone on Vision. You know, they just Captain America just took it back with them when he left. Uh, and I think part of her grief turns into anger when she's like, why not help Vision? Like, why can't we be a little selfish here? Um, I don't subscribe to the, she's kind of the only person here. I believe her when she says, I don't remember how this started. I think there is another third party, but I think that third party didn't, didn't do much else other than kind of serve as a catalyst. They told her what she needed to hear so that she could go do these things because he or whomever has something to gain from it. Um, I think since she doesn't have time travel abilities, she has reality warping abilities. She may have been assisted in doing this. So she goes into a different reality and plucks their mind stone and brings it back. Um, let's remember that her powers are derived from the mind stone. Uh, she's very compatible with it, probably. And I think she's using it to amplify her powers to create this hex. They've said many times that she probably couldn't do this on her own, despite how powerful she is on her own. Um, I also don't think that the hex or sorry, that the Mind Stone is in Vision's literal forehead. I think he's kind of on Mind Stone Wi-Fi, you know, um, <laughs> where he, you know, there is this bubble that that brings him life because, again, he's artificial life. He's not real. The only piece that he was really missing was the Mind Stone. And I think by getting that back to him, it almost serves as a hard reset because he is a computer. He has no memory of his past, but he does know who he is, uh, and he does react to the world around him. I don't think one is in controlling him at all, just as I don't think she's controlling Quicksilver because these are people that she loves. And the whole point of creating this universe is to spend time with these people. She doesn't want to change who they are fundamentally. But I, I also think that in that moment, just with the stork, because <laughs> I don't think the stork was a surveillance stork, I think when Ooh. she was pregnant and she was going through all these emotions, <laughs> uh, she created things. She lost control of her power. When her water broke, it rained. And when she was going through contractions, she brought the stork that she painted earlier to life because it symbolizes the coming of children, right? 
uh, I think in that moment when when her kids brought up Pietro and she again forgot uh, what she was doing, she might have also brought Pietro through um, that riff in the in the multiverse that she created. I also think her creating or her going into a different universe, it has to be different than uh, than what we saw in Endgame, because in our chat with uh, Soundlord, we talked about this, you know, to death. But basically, the end game version of multiverses is that it's all exactly the same because they're actually branching timelines. They they look the same, the same events transpire. They're essentially the same people. But in the real multiverse that maybe Doctor Strange has more control over, it's different versions of people. It's different stories. It's what we have in the in the comics, right? Where when they jump from universe to universe, is different publications of a comic. It's what if comics. It's different things, and so. Her using the Mind Stone or her ripping the Mind Stone, I think she might have ripped it from the X-Men universe. And that's why uh, Evan Peters jumps over in that moment when she misses him. You know, what I'm thinking about while you're saying this is, you know, there's a lot of talk of the, you know, Pietro being from a different universe. It might be the Fox universe, whatever. What if Wanda or whoever was involved didn't steal an infinity stone to reanimate the vision from this universe what if they just stole another vision what if they just brought a vision that doesn't belong in this reality to this reality and he can only live in this bubble because he doesn't belong outside of it Hmm. what about the corpse she stole who knows maybe she's like merging them in some way there's definitely holes in that theory, but as you're talking about this, I'm thinking like if she can if she can reality hop somehow and she's plucking things, why pluck a stone to then like that's a you're stealing the whole process instead of just stealing the finished product. I could steal the stone to reanimate the corpse to have the same vision or I could steal the same vision and cut out three steps. But it might not be her vision, you know, right. because as we're saying the characters are different. If the we assume... Not an Avenger? He doesn't know I, what an Avenger is. I mean, he may have not been created in the same way. Like, in the Fox universe, she was an infant, which, I mean, I guess by... In, uh, in, in Fox X-Men years, she's probably 30 by now, whatever. But, <laughs> but still played by the baby. I, right. <laughs> but, I mean, if we, if we, you know, believe all the rumors we've got about Spider-Man coming up, those are different versions of the same character in name only mostly because they're different people and they, and they see things differently and they, and different things happen in those universes. So I, I don't know. This is the problem that Wilson Fisk ran into in into the spider verse where he wanted to bring over his wife and kid from a different universe, but they're like, what the hell's happening? We don't know you. Right. The, yeah. That's actually a great uh, frame of reference. Yeah. Right. And, and like we talked about on the episode, because the Vanessa in, the Vanessa in Miles's universe and into the Spider-Verse uh, was appalled by Wilson Fisk's behavior. But that is not the standard reaction for Vanessa across universes. More likely, usually Vanessa is more like the Vanessa we see in Daredevil, which is, oh yeah, I'm in, this is cool. You do crimes, neat. <laughs> Vision continues to fight, pleading with Sword to help the people of Westview, eventually falling lifeless to the ground as he does. Darcy arrives and yells for them to help Vision, but is captured and handcuffed to a jeep. Inside the hex, 
Billy shows the ability to stop Tommy with his powers and hear Vision psychically. The two boys run to ask Wanda to help their father. Pietro caustically tells Wanda not to worry because it's not like your dead husband can die twice. Ouch. Which Wanda responds to by yeeting him across the town square. I mean, he did die twice already. That's true. I'd be dying a third time. Uh Uh-huh. Maybe that's why she was so mad, because she was correcting him. No, he died three times. She's already watched him die twice. Yeah. That has to be like the most traumatic thing that's ever happened to her. Billy realizes Vision is on the edge of town. Wanda reacts by freezing everyone in place and expanding the size of the hex. The hex absorbs the sword base, including a left-behind Darcy, restoring Vision, turning the base into a circus, and the agents into clowns and other carnies. I thought this was a really cool scene of all the stuff yes. shifting over. Uh-huh. Like how the, um, is it a helicopter that turns into a hot air balloon? Helicopter turns into a hot air balloon. Mm-hmm. That Which was... is so cool. Yeah. The, the floodlights turning into the outer perimeter of like a, an, like a, a carnival? softball field. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh-huh. That was pretty cool. The the uh, food truck, the food truck, the, whatever yes, that was. The Funnel van, yeah. the 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 uh, utility van becoming a food truck. That one was probably my favorite. I'm interested to see what Darcy becomes because I feel yes. like she's not going to turn into a clown. I I feel like because like Monica, she has some empathy towards Wanda and wants to help her. I feel like that's going to right. help her in some way to have a more useful form okay. than She's I'm just a clown. They drive past a... a car dealership that turns into a diner, which uh-huh. then Darcy would be a waitress at the uh, diner. Two broke girls, baby. Oh, oh. I thought it turned into another car dealership. The what? I thought it turned into a different car dealership. Yeah, that's what I thought. Yeah, I thought it did. Uh, I thought I thought it did. I could have sworn I saw a diner. It may have been. Maybe it was a diner. Maybe it's Maybe it's one of those those like combination KFC Taco Bells where it's a diner and a car dealership. (laughs) (laughs) Come get your car and a three piece fried chicken meal. Um, There may have been a diner in there, but uh, there was definitely also an old car dealership. I'm I'm all here for two broke girls reference yeah that would be fun wasn't there am i imagining that at some point we had a shot somewhere in the early promotions for this of darcy in the sitcom universe i feel like that's like so there's that poster that came out in week three where she had all those tvs in front of her i feel like i'm thinking one of the shots she's wearing she's wearing like a kimono or something it looks like she's wearing something that's like um it's got like patterns on it. It looks kind of silky. Right. And then the Jimmy Woo one, he's wearing like a like a greaser outfit. Um, so I feel like he's going to get sucked in there too. But yeah, Monica did talk about when she became when she was brought in and became Geraldine. She said Wanda, on some level, knew that she was an ally, and that's why she had a different experience. Yeah, I, I'm that's guessing right. we're going right. to have the same thing with Darcy. I forgot about that. Where she is going to there goes my Waddle theory. She was going to it. Well. It, <laughs> I, th- I don't think those are. I don't think it precludes the Watto theories. theory. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so I think we might see Darcy. You know, she's going to intuit that Darcy is ally, and Darcy will serve some larger role in the universe. You know, I hope that this show adds the eating of Geraldine, uh, surveillance storks, and the Watto theory to the popular discourse around this show. <laughs> that's that's what I would like. I can't wait. And <laughs> one day we'll be big enough that we'll have a wiki. 
there will be a page. So so there will be a page for the Watto theory. Surveillance stork will be for like this needs more editing. We're watching it to make sure that ed- or no no this needs correct appropriate editing. So it will say on the top there will be a banner saying this page is currently under the the watch of the surveillance stork. And that will be. You know what? <laughs> Screw you guys. I'm going to have my own podcast with surveillance storks and hookers. <laughs> no peaches. When they're alive, they're called call girls. I'm sorry. I was just making a strange Futurama reference. And I was making, that, and I was making an Archer reference, but clearly I'm the only one that. Well, phrasing you want, is important. You, you want Archer references? This is how you get Archer references. <laughs> <laughs> Robbie! You're now Lana, I guess. Hayward, Monica, and Jimmy are able to escape the now larger oh, yeah, hex, podcast. and the red fades from Wanda's eyes as the credits roll. We were so close to done, and we interrupted it one last time. <laughs> <laughs> one last time. Uh, all right, where do we think things are going next? Chris, we'll start with you. Where do you think things are going? Uh, well, I've heard that the last three episodes are supposedly about an hour long. So they're going to be um, so. 53 minutes long with seven minutes of credit. Hell yeah. <laughs> yes. <laughs> um, so all I know about where we're going next is I'm not going to be able to watch it on my lunch break on Fridays anymore. So I would like to once again, I'm once again asking Disney Plus to start dropping their shows in the evening. As opposed to midnight Pacific time. I really Bernie wish. Sanders, I really wish. I want to get. I kind of like the Friday morning model because it has all Friday is dedicated to me texting every single person I know. Have you seen it yet? Let's all talk Friday about is it. dedicated to me avoiding social media. I Fair. <laughs> I had yeah for those psychopaths that wake up at three in the morning and then they post at three forty two. Oh my god, that was the best episode of WandaVision I've ever seen. I can't believe. I hear the psychopaths Friday, that wake to... up at three in the morning also typically have nerve damage in one of their hands. <laughs> Sorry, Danny. Wow. I had to what shut. A Danny doesn't post about it. I yeah, that's true. He doesn't post about it at least. Door. I just shut my office door because the uh, employees at my place of work were so uh, cavalier about how they were discussing WandaVision that I had to shut them out and not listen to them and refuse to answer the door when they were knocking. Yikes. (laughs) Well, Robbie, Um, since you're already talking, what about uh, you? (laughs) Uh, Chris already talked about Pietro when I agree. That's kind of the um, the future stance I'm going to take because I I don't know if it's spy or whatever, but I or how much in control he is, but I do think Pietro's going to turn out to somehow be an outside influence. Um, and he is there to continue to coax Wanda along this path. Like, Wanda's starting to feel a little bit uh, doubtful about what she's doing. No, Wanda, you're doing the right thing. Uh, why, I'm not sure. Um, I am wondering if it's the Mephisto things, particularly with the Raise Hell Demon spawn lines and stuff like that. I feel like Wanda is it's either to do what we talked about and bring back vision, or maybe she is doing this power she's creating is being siphoned by another force. Uh, But in some, some way I think Pietro is an outside influence being brought to keep Wanda um, satisfied with what the life she's created and, and kind of not control Wanda directly, but sort of control her more subtly. Uh, and I am fully prepared to be wrong, just like we've been wrong about everything. Uh, I, that said, this show is going into a sort of 
the the bigger question of an almost like the matrix although i think this is better than the matrix um this idea of idyllic life i wouldn't know <laughs> i know you wouldn't <laughs> it Same. is i haven't seen it either uh you guys should watch it but there was only one matrix movie that's the important thing to know um <laughs> but anyway so this they're making is, another and that one also isn't happening um <laughs> But anyway, they're getting this question of, is an idyllic life idyllic if it is out of your control? If you are not, you don't have free will in this idyllic life. And uh, I think I know their answer, but I'm still very interested. And we kind of already talked about this, but my um, my thoughts for the future is I'll bet the next episode is Modern Family, but maybe not totally Modern Family. I think they'll use that as a gateway for mockumentary sitcoms in general, like The Office and, um, and, uh, Parks, and, Rec. and, and Parks and Rec, and et cetera. Uh, which would be that would be the next decade that would be the kind of sitcom they haven't done yet i think it'd be i'm just so excited to watch them to have some of these characters talk to the camera uh that's something uh, in the interview style not the the fourth wall breaking that we had from the kids this episode um and i am very frustrated that this episode ended right when i thought we were going to get monica's contact so I'm guessing we will get Monica's contact early in the next episode. Or they'll just leave Monica out entirely to give us it at the end. But I'm guessing we only have to wait until Friday to find out who the aerospace engineer is. Um, Peach, how about you? First of all, I, something I hadn't even considered when you were just, because we talked about it earlier, talking about the talking to the cam mockumentary mm-hmm. style is that that could open up some even creepier things that have not yet happened where like vision is talking directly to us and saying like, please help me. <laughs> or people are saying that directly to us. So oh, we're going to be wearing a Jima shit now. <laughs> I just realized I need to wear a diaper for next week. I think all of us should probably wear a diaper. Um, but I'll say overall, this is the, this is the second episode of the six so far that left me more confused than anything. But I don't, again, just like Robbie, I don't think it's a bad thing. I don't mind not knowing the answers. I want to know them, but I can be patient. Um, I obviously still am on the Agnes train. I want to know what's going on with her. That will not stop until I know. Um, but the way that Pietro talks in this episode shifts my curiosity a little bit more toward what's going on with him. Uh, I'm, I'm not subscribed to the Pietro is Mephesto theory. I might be subscribed to Pietro was sent by is a manifestation of some other thing. Yeah. Mephisto. Yeah. yeah. Um, For the record so, agreed. Yeah. So I, I, I'm curious to know what his role in this actually is. And it's not, it's not coincidental that they used a Quicksilver that already existed. So we'll, we'll find out. And like Robbie finished with his, what he's hoping are next. I, there's no way we don't know in the next episode who the aerospace engineer is, right? We've got two references in a row and they're getting slightly more um, funneled into, like, unless they give one more funneled one where at the very end of the episode, Monica's like, man, it'd be fantastic if this aerospace engineer would return my text. <laughs> like, right. Well, and this episode, uh, she said it's going to be in an hour. So the next episode yeah, has to be shorter so, than an hour. Yeah. So anyway, that's what I'm looking forward to. Eduardo, what you got? I can't believe we're six episodes in. And I still just really have no idea what's happening. (laughs) (laughs) Like, and that's not a bad thing at all. Like, this is... I feel like I'm uh, I'm being given a... a, 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 the, the, The wrong 
label when it's that I don't like answer or that I want answers because yeah, sort I, I guess I do want answers, but I what I wanted more of is I wanted more questions. From the very beginning, I didn't have questions, and if I don't have questions, I can't theorize answers. I've been given significantly more questions now so that I can then theorize the answers. And that's the fun part for me. The beginning, I didn't even have the questions, which is why I don't think I enjoyed it as much. Um, but right now I'm at the, this is like the the happy place, right? Where you're like theorizing, you don't know what's going to happen. You haven't been hurt by the ending yet. Uh, <laughs> you can still just live in this fun, carefree world where you're just, you're just throwing out ideas and whatever sticks to the wall is cool. And if it does it, no worries. Uh, and I think this is the best part. And I also am going to continue to revel in the fact that these mixed sitcom slash real world episodes are the best episodes. All right, Arnaldo, what about you? I really, really hope. Well, I mean, first of all, within the context of the show, uh, I think I really hope we get the aerospace engineer soon <laughs> because two setups in two different episodes, I feel like there's going to be a direct correlation be- between the amount of like setup and the amount of payoff, hopefully. So, and that's why I'm leaning more and more towards like a Reed Richards or, or some, uh, maybe even a Riri Williams, like someone so who really is going to four just... setups and then we get the fantastic four. <laughs> oh, oh, you might be on something. Episode. It's uh, but yeah, I mean, uh, obviously uh, a Krasinski would be a great one. Uh, a whole office, Jimmy Woo, are they the same character gag would be so funny. Um, I outside of this show after it's its conclusion, I kind of really hope that this sets up Wanda to be the villain slash the just the antagonist for Doctor Strange. Um, I've been getting the feeling that this is setting her up to be just kind of this force of nature that they can't handle anymore and they have to bring in an, another Avenger to do something about it. Uh, and I think that would make a really good and we already know she's going to be in that movie. So, you know, the, the, the facts are there. I really hope that that's what that um movie lead, leads up to be and and that also creates a better interconnectivity between you know these new shows uh and the movies which we didn't get with some of the old shows um nothing really you know gets me going more than just these little interconnectivity details the bringing in the side characters and making them super interesting uh darcy we haven't seen in a decade like come on um and I hope that these are the steps that they are putting in the work for making the multiverse make sense, because I really don't like the idea of a multiverse. I was never open for it. Um, I thought Into the Spider-Verse, that's great. It's a different world. It's a, it's a, it's a different movie. It's animated. It's, it's very stylistic. That's fantastic. But leave it there. That was my opinion. And so when I heard all these Spider-Man rumors, you know, Spider-Man 3, there are three Spider-Men. I wasn't I wasn't too jazzed about it, especially since a lot of those movies aren't very good. Um, I was like, why why bring down the MCU with older, worse movies? So if they're putting in the work, because that's what Marvel's so good at, right, is to earn these moments from now into Doctor Strange, Multiverse of Madness, to Spider-Man, 3R Spider-Man, whatever. Um I, I, that that would make me a believer in the multiverse, putting this much effort into it. All right. Well, ratings. We'll start with you, Peach. What are you going to rate episode six of WandaVision? Uh, I rated this one eight and a half old red riding hoods out of ten. Chris? 
Uh, I gave it nine claymation <laughs> sharks out of ten. Uh, how about you, Mr. Robbie? Uh, no, Eduardo, this was not the best episode, but it was still good. Uh, I gave it eight angry mothers who aren't the boss of me now out of ten. Didn't say it was the best. And said it was one of the best. No, but but the ones that were just a sitcom were better than it. What's your rating? Oh, there's no uh, uh, nine kicked asses out of ten. Arnaldo, what about you? I give it eight. Life is unfair out of ten. Right. That's beautiful. Uh, that's going to do it for this episode of Assembly Required. If you want to email the show, go ahead and send us an email over at assemblyrequiredcast at gmail.com. Want to see us on Twitter? It's at assemblycast. Uh, all of us individually, PhilKid3, GatorSax2010, the underscore peaches, ABCD Eduardo1. Arnaldo, pl- plug your Twitter and your podcast. Oh, yeah, I have a podcast. Thank you. Uh, first of all, bef- uh, before I plug it, I want to thank you guys for having me on. Thank you. And uh, quick, yeah, uh, no, this is awesome. Um, quick background on my post- my podcasting uh, life. I wanted to start a podcast like two years ago with a buddy of mine, and it just didn't it didn't work out. Um, and it was whatever. And I Chris tells me like what was it, like a year and a half ago or something. You guys started this. Um, like you told me it was like oh, yeah. By the way, you guys, here's an episode. I'm starting a podcast with, with some buddies. It's about the MCU, uh, where we you know talk about all the movies. And I was like, God damn it, that's such a good idea. Why didn't I think of that? Because <laughs> um, <laughs> I, I still had that itch, you know. And then. Like a few months later, I thought, man, that's such a good idea. But you know what would also be a good idea is the exact opposite of an MCU retrospective where I could talk about every movie that failed, every movie that had to walk so that the MCU could run, you know. And so I started a podcast with a buddy of mine. And again, thank you guys. You kind of partially inspired it uh, with a buddy of mine called Films from the Oh my god. Films from the Phantom Zone? I almost forgot my own. <laughs> That's such a good name, by the way. That's a fantastic name. I know. Thank you. My friend came up with that. That was I came up with the idea, again, inspired by you guys. Uh, and then he came up with the name and the kind of uh, conceit, right? So we look at every comic book superhero movie uh, that doesn't exist anymore. Uh, we the ones the ones that did the one that the ones that closed shop on their own, we don't consider those failed. So like the Dark Knight trilogy, they're like, hey, we're going to make three movies and that's it. And and there's they're all three very good. Even, you know, you can pick it apart here and there. But for the most part, we can all agree it's, it's a great franchise. Um, and then ongoing series. They're still ongoing. They're open for business. Right. But everyone that had to be canceled uh, is just no good <laughs> and isn't here anymore. We, we can all agree that those movies had to exist for the MCU to you know be what it is. Right. Um, and so that's what we do. And it's a lot of fun. It's called Films from the Phantom Zone. We also do a segment in there called Keeper Cancel, where we talk about the people involved in making the movie. Uh, and we decide if we can keep them or we cancel them. So that's also a lot of fun. Uh, you can find that everywhere. We're, we're on all platforms. Uh, Twitter, Films from PZ. And on Instagram, uh, Films from the Phantom Zone. So thanks a lot again, you guys. Thank you for being thanks. here. Thanks. Yeah. Yeah, that's great. Once again, that's going to do it for all of us. For myself, Peaches, Chris, Robbie, Arnaldo, we love you 3,000. Bye, everybody. Excelsior. Hell Hydra. Boobly, boobly. I don't know. Can you repeat the question? You're not the boss of me now. You're not the boss of me now. You're not the boss of me now. And you're not so big. You're not the boss of me now. You're not the boss of me now. Now and you're not
is Danny, you told us that you would you would assign the four of us to Fantastic Four members, and we forgot to remind you at the end of episode four of our WandaVision episode. So enlighten us, please. We have to know. Okay, I, uh, I gave it a lot of thought um, while I was gone um, during the last episode, and I wrote notes, and I do not have the notes, but I do remember that I decided that all of you are the thing. So uh, thanks for having me back. It's um, clubbing time. You're all very, very eager to hear that. I hope it was worth the wait. <laughs> I think that rocks. Uh, it's kind of a grim outlook that you have, but but I'll take it. Thing pun. Very good. <laughs> all right. Well, that was fun. Oh, one never love and wasted time.